Christian, thank you very much for the intro. Uh, we there is so much to talk about, so little time, as they say. Uh, but uh, you and I are here to discuss the Ryzen Seventeen show uh, that happened last week, um, and uh, yeah, it was uh, quite a show. What do you think about the show overall? Hey, it was fun. I highly enjoyed it, even though it was hard to try and maintain a connection, you know, to try and jot down all those theme songs that I was trying to get to the fighters, because my connection was piss poor. <laughs> but still, there were 12 fights on the card. I would guess not every single one of them was a stinker, but still, it was fun to watch. What were your overall thoughts about of the car in general before we even get on to this interview. I mean, before we get on to this review. Uh, I thought that uh, this was the best Ryzen show this year, if we're going to exclude the Bellator show that happened with uh, Kyoji Horiguchi uh, um, in the, uh, versus Darian Caldwell, Reina uh, versus Lindsey Van Santa show. If that's an outlier, then this was, to me, was Ryzen's best full-on show. Um, I thought the card flowed so perfectly, um, that it helps that one intermission, uh, helped with that, as well as there was a lot of pretty cool finishes on the show, um, and including one fight that I think a lot of people are going to be considering fight of the year, uh, which we'll be getting to later, and, uh, oh, for any promotion, I'll say. But yeah, I really thought this was one of Rise, Rise's, one of the, the, the best Rise of show maybe since 14, and certainly the best show of this year uh, that they put on. Well, yes, of course it's the best. I mean, of course, we would basically say it was the best Rise and show since the Rise and 14 event because you have to discredit the, I mean, you have to count out the Mayweather versus Nasukawa exhibition, which wasn't shown in North America. Yeah. Oh, yes. That that uh the non-canon, semi-canon Mayweather versus um uh, tension match. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> but still, all of this took place at the Saitama Super Arena in Saitama City, Saitama Prefecture, Japan. And the one thing before we even get off to this, a little bit of a disclaimer. I mean, I can't fucking stand, and yeah, you're going to hear a lot of explicit language on this show. We're sorry in advance, but still, I can't stand when people basically say, oh, Saitama is 30 minutes closer to Tokyo. It's a suburb of Tokyo. It's actually in Tokyo when, no, really, 
Saitama is his own prefecture. Saitama is his own, I want to say, city, subwards, something like that. So why the hell they gotta always mention the Saitama Super Arena as being in Tokyo? Um, I don't know. I think it's one of those things where, like, where people, you know, I'm trying to think of, like, what would be a comparison. Um, it's, I guess it's, like, I'm trying to think of, like, I'm really trying to think of, like, a good, uh, like, location comparison. You know what? It's basically, like, the Barclays Center being in Brooklyn when people still say it's in the heart of New York City. Yeah, okay, I guess you could say, yeah, something like that. Um, or actually, you know what's a good, it's a good thing? Um, you, remember, you know when WWE was saying that, that, that the WrestleMania this year took place in New York, New Jersey? Yeah, because they didn't want to mention East Rutherford. Exactly, so, it's like that, because I... Oh, yeah, because yeah, yeah. East Rutherford, you know, it's not far from New York, but it's certainly not close either, you know. Jersey City is the closest part of Jersey that's closest to New York. And East, but, uh, East Rutherford is a, maybe a 40, 45-minute drive um, from where I am to there. So, yeah, it is not close. To, it right, is because you got to take a drive all the way across the Hudson River just to get there. Exactly, yeah. So yeah, it's kind of like it's, it's like and kind of like in that 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 scope. We're like, oh, you know, uh, it is. We're gonna say that it's 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 this area is part of this area when it's not actually part of that area. Mm-hmm. And you know what? It kind of weirds me out now because a lot of pro wrestling promotions and big event promotions are getting away with it. Like, for example, just. Earlier today, as we're recording this on August the 3rd, I heard one of the commentators on the Big 3 on CBS say that they were playing a game at the Allstate Arena in the north side of Chicago when really, hello, they're in Rosemont. Oh, that's, now, a, that's a good example. That's actually a great example when uh, when they when someone when like a, a sports singer or whatever says, oh, we're in Chicago, but no, it's uh, actually in Rosemont. Yeah. Or now with All Elite Wrestling doing their event, their upcoming all-out event in Chicago, they had over a year to think about it. It's not in Chicago. It's 20 miles north in Hoffman Estates. Or MLW doing events in nearby Cicero, Illinois, when they call it Chicago. Exactly, yeah. Exactly. I, I think that that, that, that describes it. It's the Chicago-Rosemont um comparison because i hear that a lot and actually when i went to g-fest this year they promoted as being in chicago so even though it's in rosemont so and even i make the mistake a lot of times saying you know hey i'm going to, i'm going to chicago for g-fest when technically it's in rosemont um so yeah yeah but then again you have to remember that's the reason why the that's the reason why the locals and people around it call it chicago land yeah not a certain part of Chicago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I mean, believe me, my dad is actually from the Chicagoland area, so that would probably give a little bit more of an understanding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be like I'm, you know, I guess like I don't know if something is in Austin, 
but then or, or like an event in Houston, but then they say like the the Houston Austin area or some or something like that. No, actually, down here in my neck of the woods, it would be the Houston Galveston Baytown Sugarland area. Mm. But I mean, it really weirds me out. I mean, it really weirded me out when that douchebag Josh Matthews said during the Deep Impact event that they were in Houston when, hello, dumbass, you're an hour south, Texas huh. City. <laughs> yep. Oh, I mean, yeah. It's like I was just waiting. I was just waiting. Shit. I was just waiting for Brad Gilmore, a.k.a. Lord Trillmore, a guy who I know a little too well. <laughs> I was just waiting for him to correct him and say, Hey, you know we're in, you know we're in Texas City, right? <laughs> yeah, it happens way it happens way more often than I I think. Um, especially you know I think it happens a lot more often than uh, than uh, uh, I think it happens a lot more often than it should. You know, oh we're we're in so and so place where we're actually not in so and so place. Yeah. You're way few and far between from that place. You're in the city limits, but you're not even close to it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but still, enough, enough piss and about the city that we're talking. I mean, enough pissing and pattering about the cities that are supposed to have the events when they don't even get mentioned. We had 12 points on this outstanding card, and I'll run down the amount of times I made my predictions, the amount of predictions I got right a little later on in the show, but we kicked things off with a 148-pound kickboxing bout, Hideki Beharano, fighter from Bolivia who came out to a BTS song. He defeated Daiki Watabe, the teammate of Tenshin Nasukawa, who came out to a Tupac and Elton John joint, Ghetto Gospel. Obviously, Hideki won that fight via unanimous decision, but what were your thoughts about, what were your overall thoughts about this fight going into it, and what were your overall thoughts about the fight? Well, remember, we, first of all, I think we should mention that initially this was supposed to be Daiki Watabe versus Kevin, the Soul Assassin, Ross. Fortunately, uh, Ross got a uh, hand injury and had to pull out of the fight. I think it was about two weeks before uh, the uh, the show went on. Unfortunately, what happened, though, is that if you remember, we both did interviews of him. And when we were ready to, you know, post you know the interviews, that's when the injury got announced. And so it kind of sucked that, unfortunately... Ugh, that he wasn't able to uh, make his Ryzen debut uh, on this show. Because uh, I certainly think that he would have wiped the floor with Daiki Watabe. Um, but in this case... Uh, in this case, uh, Hideki... Basically, uh, I, I think the best... I, I saw some people comment on Twitter. Well, I, I, I watching this fight, it was kind of like... Watching two guys, two uncoordinated kickboxers fight. I mean, Hideki was real. He had this strange, like he was he was boxing very like with a very uh, straight up stance. Like he wasn't bent down, chin down. He was like fighting fighting tall, as they say. Um, if uh, if if you remember, uh, probably the most famous uh, fighter to, who fought tall in an MMA match. Uh, 
BJ Penn. Um, I think it was against uh, was it against Yair Rodriguez. He did he he did that and got yeah, but he got knocked out for it. Exactly, and it was strange seeing someone actually fight fight tall in a kickboxing match. Daiki Watabe was just very like trying to like seem to have no purpose, no nothing around what he was throwing. Um, uh, there was uh, it was just it was it seemed like two guys who were very just overall not that coordinated um, overall uh, compared to you know I mean you know there's the I know there's the tension scale of kickboxing. And you know he's obviously the the um, the guy who you know is everybody pays attention to uh, when it comes to kickboxing. But I still think that you know these two guys, you know these two guys um, did not look uh, as um, crisp as some other kickboxers have. Um, there was one knockdown by uh, Hideki in the first round, um, but for the most part, it was just Hideki kind of just getting more shots in and looking like like the better of the overall of the two um also mentioned that uh watabe commentary uh by the way commentary was joe ferraro and frank trigg uh mentioned that as usual mentioned watabe was on a six fight losing streak so you know I, I picked Hideki based on the fact that he just had the better record. He didn't have the under 500 record like Hideki did going to his match. Um, but overall... And was... I basically picked Watabe because I thought that in this fight, he probably would have been pissed because he didn't get a chance to face Kevin Ross. But I still think that Kevin Ross would have had his ass knocked out. Yeah. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Um, I mean... Is there, you know, it's funny, actually, here's the other thing as well. Um, most Ryzen fights get a finish in the first fight. And this is one of the few opening uh, matches that did not have a finish, uh, funnily enough. Um, but overall, you know, I guess, you know, I guess if, if, we're to, if you were to rate this match on a star scale, it was like a two-star two match. Um... Out of five, right? Out of five, yeah. Two stars, you know. I mean, I didn't see anything that, that, you know, Hideki... I didn't... You know, obviously, the every every kickboxer wants to fight tension now, but Hideki certainly is not tension-worthy if that is his goal at some point. Yes, yeah, that's true, that's true. Um, also, just want to mention, this was a majority decision win for for, uh, for Hideki. Not a uh, not a unanimous decision, because Watabe did come back in the third round a little bit. I guess it was enough to make uh, for him to get some sort of uh, uh, win uh, in one of the judges' eyes. But nonetheless, uh, he, he didn't do enough. Well, on the contrary, though. On the contrary, one of the judges scored the fight a draw, I'm... hence the majority decision. Yeah, 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 that's what I meant to say, a draw. Um, but yeah, well, I mean, like, what was your, what was your impression of both fighters, uh, Christian? I thought they were both 
just like watching a weird kick fight. Yeah. But hey, it was a pretty decent way for people to realize just who the hell they were because these were, I mean, it was the rising debut for both of these guys. But I really think that, I really what sealed it up for me was not the fight itself, but the entrances because when he damn BTS and Steve Aoki song wasted on me. <laughs> I thought Lenny Hart had the perfect clip of it saying, He was just wasting away. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, that made me laugh my ass off because, of course, with Lenny Hart, you never know what type of craziness she pulls out, but she just pulls it out in a grandiose fashion, and we love it for it. I mean, we love her for it. Absolutely, yeah. Still. Just want to mention as well, Tension's dad uh, was in uh, uh, Daiki's corner. Uh, also, just goes to show that you know, even you have two great kickboxers out of out of Tep and Jim, uh, Tension Asakawa, obviously, and uh, Taiju Shiratori. You know, not everybody can have this is on the same skill level. No matter what, uh, even if you're at the same at a gym with two great kickboxers like those two, so. You know, going let that be a lesson. Just because you're at a great gym doesn't mean you're necessarily going to get the same. Um, you're going to come out the same way as two other fighters. Mhm. Mhm. Exactly. Um, but yeah, that was that fight. Uh, you want to go on to the first MMA bout of the night? Yeah, but just a little conclusion piece. Do you see that? Do you see either of these two coming back to the rising ring? Uh, really? Nope. I don't. I I didn't see anything that made that was that made me think um that this was that these two that that either these two were I guess wise and worthy. Um, they really nothing told me about about they didn't they were not I don't think that they're that key you know if they want to go to rise you know improve their kickboxing record by all means go ahead and do that but I don't think. I don't think they should be in a rising ring until a few more until they until like uh, Hideki gets a little bit more crisper and then obviously Daiki Watabe you know improves his record gets out from that under five hundred record or at least you know attempts to get some wins to get out of that five under five hundred record. What do you think, Christian? Eh, I think it'll. Only, I mean, I think it'll only be a matter of time before we see. Just what Hideki is made of, but you're right. Daiki needs to improve that record he had because what did you say his record was? 22, 23, and 2 prior to the fight? Uh, yes, yeah, well, now it'll be uh, 23, 20, uh, 23, 22, oh, 22, 24, it would be. Uh, and, uh, 22, yeah, 22, 24, and 2. Yeah, he definitely needs to get a few wins to dig himself out of that 500 hole. Yeah, um, uh, but, uh, it's, um, yeah, uh, it's, I think you gotta improve that record better with, um, 
just, just you gotta get, you gotta get out of that because I know I, I know that 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 Japan's a little bit different with win loss records, um, but you gotta you gotta be it's you know you don't want everybody to have a losing record coming into your into your promotion because then people are gonna be uh, then people are gonna you know not take your promotion seriously if it's just people with uh, bad records. Yeah, because in a way it's like Charles Felony Bennett when he had. That knockout victory over Philip Manuel Camus, he hasn't won a fight since. Exactly, yeah, exactly. So, um, also doesn't help that he does have a criminal record that probably will doesn't allow him to, to uh, fight overseas. So there's that. <laughs> uh, yeah, of course. I mean, that's the reason why when it came down to one of his island fight, I mean, when it came down to one of his fights in the island fight promotion, which oh by the way uses a ring as well. He basically said, well, he going to come out with his A game, his B game, his C game, so I'm going to come out with my F game. Yeah. Fuck it. <laughs> um, <laughs> but you but want... still, I think these two fighters aren't rising worthy for right now, but I really think that Hideki would probably be the most rising worthy of the two if he were to improve on that punching power. Exactly, you know, I'm, exactly, yeah, yeah. I think that best sums it up. Mm -hmm. So now we go on to the next fight, which was a 138-pound clash between King Rainer Muir and Stephanie Edgar. And, of course, Stephanie Edgar came out to her first theme, which was the theme of Resident Evil 6. <laughs> No, wait, actually, King Rainer came out to her first theme, which was the theme of Resident Evil 6. Stephanie Edgar came out to a SoundCloud artist who I really couldn't find any data on, other than the fact that, well, the artist had a damn SoundCloud account, so I guess they don't really count as an actual artist, but hey, at least they're trying, because Chance the Rapper got his start on SoundCloud, too. <laughs> but still, enough about themes. Stephanie Edgar basically dominated King Rainer Miura for the entirety of those three rounds and won the fight via unanimous decision up in her maiden voyage to professional MMA to 3-1. With the loss, King Rainer drops down to 11-3, and if I'm not mistaken here, let's see. Now 3-3. But unfortunately for her, it is the second, no, it is the third consecutive loss in the Ryzen ring for King Rainer. I gotta ask you, dude. Is this the last we see of King Rainer in the Ryzen ring, or do you think that there is room for improvement? You know, this was one of the big stories was people were talking about was uh, King Rainer returning. Um, you know, just a little, give a little backstory of what she's been doing since the Caitlin Young fight. She fought in uh, Quintet. Um, she grappled there and uh, actually grappled with um, Liz Carmouche and uh, that went to a draw with her. And um, the other uh, other thing, she uh, had two fights in deep jewels and won both, including one was a finish. Uh, but yeah, twenty four second finish over Malweda. Yeah, and what happened was that um, uh, yeah, but this fight, you know, again. She looked really bad in this. Well, I should say, she looked 
she she has not looked as good as when she first started in Ryzen. Um, I have no idea what's going on with, with her. I don't know. Like, my only theory is that she's not taking any of her opponents seriously. Um, and that was one of the things I predicted with this fight was this: if this fight goes a, a, gra a grappling thing, it's going to be... I think that Stephanie Edgar was going is going to absolutely outclass her on the in the grappling uh, portion of this fight, and that's exactly what happened. Um, yeah, so what? Ha yeah, that's. I don't know if this. You know, I think King Ray is either going to find a way to uh, go. I don't know. Like, you would think that she, her losing weight, going down to a different weight class, she you know it would improve. But she's done better at heavier, being heavier, um, in her open open weight fights than she has uh, been in her fights uh, where she's tried to, I guess, to find a proper weight class. Um, will she be back in life? Well, that oh, sorry. Go. I heard Joe Favreau and Frank Trigue said, "Hey, maybe she should drop down to women's fight. Maybe she should drop down to women's flyweight." Oh, no, that shit ain't happening because in order for her to drop down to like 125, she would basically have to try and do anything but kill herself in order to get down to the 125 pound weight class. There's a, so she's there's a conundrum with her. She's five foot three, and she's all but she's also like heavy. So it's kind of, she's kind of she has a size and. She has a weird size advantage and disadvantage in in her with her uh, with her body type, and that she's very heavy, but yet she's not tall. And uh, do I think she basically it would be like Akinoi Gomi in his prime, right? I guess so. Yeah, exactly. That's a good way to put, uh, to uh, put it. But um, yeah, basically, w will she be back in a rising wing? I think she will be. Um, she does have a personality and people, you know, pay attention to her because of that personality. But unfortunately, like, I don't know what you do with her next. I think, I, 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 I honestly can't think of like, like, do you, ha like, the, they've clearly been trying to put her against opponents who they think she will beat. But yet, the opponents that she keeps on, you know, Cindy Dandois, Caitlin Young, in this case, Stephanie Edgar, she has... She has been beaten by them on, on in, in so many different facets of, of MMA. Um, it's really hard to figure out. Well, like, if you think about it, if you think about it, Cindy Dandois, as we know now, is not beatable because she was really pissed when the UFC cut her after one fight. Exactly. Yeah. That. You know, they think her punching style is the drizzling shits. Yeah. Yeah. Invicta, they have Caitlin Young as a current featherweight title contender. And who knows what will be of Stephanie Edgar in the years to I mean in the months and days and years to come, considering the fact that she's only four fights into her career, but as for King Raina, I mean, do you think that we would probably see her better inside the Bellator cage in the women's featherweight division over there instead oh. of you know, trying to scrounge up some fights for Ryzen. God, no. I'm just thinking of, of the woman featherweight. So we got, uh, I mean, if, if, okay, let's start from, from top down. 
Julia Budd versus King Reyna. Julia Budd destroy. I I think doesn't go beyond the first round. I think Julia Budd murks her in the first round. Olga Rubin. I think Olga Rubin would absolutely uh would 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 wrestle fuck uh King Reyna uh for three rounds. Um. Rematch with Cindy Dandois. I think I think Cindy still would would win in that uh, rematch uh, between the two. Um, who else is in the uh, 145 division in Bellator? Um, uh, women's featherweight. Uh, okay, okay. Well, you know, let's talk about rumors. You know, uh, for those that don't know, Cyborg was just recently uh, not re-signed by the UFC. Uh, presumably, probably going to go to Bellator since she and Scott Cook. Scott Coker go way back to Strike Force. Uh, I think I think Cyborg absolutely destroys King Reyna as well in the first round. Oh, no question. Uh, Cyborg will put her ass on the mat in six seconds. Um, let's see. I'm trying to look at look at all the uh, women's featherweight uh, people. Um, I don't even know if she still fights. Um. If uh, Marvel, Mar no, Marvel's Conan uh, is retired, so I'm not gonna count her. Um, yeah, Marvel's Conan is retired. Uh, Talita Noguera uh, is with Bellator. She's uh, she's uh, fought Julia Budd and Amanda Bell in Bellator at 145. Uh, I think Noguera absolutely takes that fight as well. Um, I, I I don't know like the bra. It seems like King Reyna's... What about Arlene Angerfist? What about Arlene Angerfist Glenco? Maybe, maybe that's the only person, perhaps that that King Reyna would have a, a chance against. But like, I think you know it's so funny. She, I wonder if she's like the. I don't know if it's like a size thing or like what it, I think I think it's mostly just a thing that she does not take her opponents seriously in these fights. I mean, like if you let's talk about let's talk about about the, about the fight. Went three rounds, unanimous decision for Stephanie Edgar. Edgar basically took down King Reyna at will um, and almost had her submitted with a rear naked choke. I'll give Rand credit though; she knows how to escape from submissions. But nonetheless, she basically was. Was judo fucked and grapple fucked by Stephanie Edgar, who, by the way, and I said this when when we did predictions, uh, she qualified for uh, Abu Dhabi Combat Club for uh, for September in California, and people should not ignore that, and a lot of people ignore that, and you can't ignore somebody who qualifies for the ADCC because it is such a high level grappling tournament, and to qualify for that is something that is amazing. Um. Even on, like, King Reyna was able to get a few good shots in. But I remember in the third round, uh, Edgar was looking good on the stand-up as well. But nonetheless, you know, she kept on taking down um, Reyna like, like it was no no big problem. But yeah, you know, it's that's that's what it was. And King Reyna was very upset after the fight. She was, she was obviously visibly upset, crying. Um, I just don't think, it just seems like that she doesn't prepare... For these fights, uh, she, or I shouldn't say prepare, but she just when she gets in that, you know, she's playing a character as well. She's King Reyna. She's doing. She's making funny faces. She's coming out with the with the crown and the the staff and the teddy bear. I think she's become. I think she's almost 
it seems like she's becoming too. She's putting so much into her character, and when she she's fighting, she's almost not taking. She's forgetting that it's a fight. She's got to be more like a character than than a fighter in the actual fight. Right. Right. What do you think? Do you think? And I mean, in a way, yeah. In a way, I think that her character is probably getting more than her actual fighting skill. But in order for her to actually succeed in combat sports, people hate when the term combat sports is brought up. But in order for her to succeed. MMA, she would have to put herself at a better fight style, you know, she would have to improve her fighting style because of course she is a judoka, but she needs to be one of the fighters that just not only give, I mean, she needs to stop giving less of a shit. <laughs> well, bless you. Sorry about that. <laughs> Thanks. But still, she needs to stop giving more of a shit about who she faces or who she gets matched up in the ring against or in the cage against. Because if she keeps doing this, a lot of losses are going to come her way. So I want to read some feedback that uh, that uh, we got on the uh, uh, We Are Rising podcast Twitter. I put out uh, a question. What do you do with King Reyna? And... A few people had some interesting thoughts. Uh, Copper Box Caretaker, uh, whose Twitter is at Luke uh, UID Swords, suggested Reyna consider alternative lines of work. Uh, Charles Fra- Fraga at Fragnific- Fra- Fragnificent KW says that she should continue to drop weight and then match her up with a striker. And then Ampop, who's at USA, uh, USA Aaron M1, USA Aaron M1, says Reyna has to go. She's not from the watch, has zero power, and can't strike. So there's a lot. There's, uh, we have two people who are saying that she should not be fighting anymore. And what do you think about that, Christian? That that we have two people, two Ryzen fans, uh, who are saying. That she should not be fighting anymore. That she's got. That she should quit. Well, again, I don't think. I mean, if you heard me on my review talk about Tiger and saying that, hey, you know, your early twenties isn't the time for you to be flaming out. I mean, King Reyna just turned twenty-three prior to this fight. I really don't think that she has what it takes to you know, call it a career because her record, as I mentioned before, is 11 wins and 3 losses. And plus, she is coming off the back of a two-fight winning streak going into this loss, but still, I do think that, you know, her time has not come yet. What do you think about that her losses are... ...get better within time. What do you think about her losses are only in Ryzen as well? Do you think that has some sort of significance as well? Probably so, because Deep maybe sees her as something that... Maybe Deep and Deep Jewels see her as something that can be marketable for those promotions. Um, I mean, either that or she probably wants to 
you know, test her medal in Bellator or, God forbid, the UFC. I don't think UFC would ever take her. I honestly don't think so. Bellator, maybe. But I, I can't see I can't see uh, UFC ever wanting to sign uh, King Reyna, honestly. I could be wrong. I could be entirely wrong about that. But I just don't see w why they would want to, you know, if, when they watch her fights, if they would, if they would, well, first of all, if they could, if they would get what she's about, um, I don't think, I really don't think that they would get it, in my personal opinion. Um, uh, the other thing as well, um, let's talk about Stephanie Edgar. What are your thoughts on her as a MMA fighter? Hey, I think she's got... I think she's got what it takes to have a long career, even though she's only four fights in. But I do think it'll only be a matter of time before, you know, she gets that call from other promotions, perhaps around Europe, maybe around the world, that can showcase her skills in the case that Rodson doesn't call her back. Uh, funnily enough, uh, actually, one of the, the first opponents, she her second fight... Mara Romero Borella, uh, who she uh, finished uh, by TKO, actually just lost today uh, on the UFC on ESPN show uh, to Warren Murphy. So a little uh, interesting. Uh, and that was in Newark, New Jersey. Yeah, yeah. Oh, at a weird time. Uh, this is the uh, like an afternoon time. Um, but yeah, because everybody wants to see Cain Velasquez kill it in his professional wrestling debut tonight. Ha. Of course, yeah. Um, but, it, you know, I think it's, you know, I think Stephanie, you know, it's funny that so far these three people who have defeated Reyna, well, let's talk about the first two. Kaylin Young and Sidney Dandois have not been invited to rise and have not been invited back since they defeated Reyna. I wonder if the same thing is going to happen with Edgar, is that they're, is that Ryzen's idea is that they want uh, Reyna to win these fights. And so since that doesn't come out, if, they, if these fighters are just, uh, signed to like a one fight contract with the expectation to lose. I wonder if that's actually why uh, they, uh, they, they, uh, these fighters have not come back. Um, I mean, if you think about it, I don't know. Because when it comes down to these fights, when it comes down to these fights that King Reyna is losing, and she's not losing to cookie cutter competition, she's losing to. In the case of Dan Dwyane Young, actual contenders. I mean, hell, Caitlin Young is vying for the Invicta featherweight title coming up, and who knows what's going to happen with that promotion now that Chris Cyborg is officially cut from the UFC's Croft. Yeah, that's true. That that well, first of all, I you know if we see Ry if we see uh, Riser uh, sign uh, Cyborg, you know certainly we're not. I don't want to see King Reyna versus uh, Cyborg. Because that will not end well for King Reyna. You know, they said they want to match her up with a striker. Um, who was, uh, who said that again? Um, uh, uh, da -da 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 -da. oh, uh, uh, Charles Fraga said that. To get her to keep dropping weight and match her up with a striker. I don't know, oh, that's the other thing as well. At what point, she can't, listen, she can't be killing herself to make 115 or 125, you know. That will be detrimental to her performance as well. So there's got to be a, a limit. Maybe 135 is is the lowest she can go, uh, uh, you know, realistically, so that she won't, you know, so, you know, because any more might not be good for her health. So you got to keep that in mind as well. Um, I mean, I don't know what you. I mean, are they? Well, 
will she be? I think she'll be back in Rising King Reina. Maybe she'll have she'll go back to Deep Jewels, get some wins there, and then come back. That might be. It might just be this this cycle of just you know she gets these wins in Deep Jewels and then comes to Rising and loses. Um, unfortunately, um, I do hope that Edgar is back though. I do you know, um, I really do hope she's back. Um, but uh, yeah, I did pick uh, Edgar based on her, her qualify for, for qualify for ADCC. But I know you picked King Reina. You know, nothing wrong with that. You know, it's kind. Of, you know, I think most people expected her to win, but in this case, you know, she just um, yeah, she just this was not King Reina's night once again in Ryzen, of course. Mm-hmm. And I went. I mean, I started off my predictions going over two, but I think this next fight. It's probably something that we all didn't see coming. Yes. And that was Siohi Ham, a.k.a. Hamdele Silva, the Rowan FC Animate World Champion, knocking the hell out of Tomo Maisawa. And the one thing that I realized from the entrances on is that Siohi Ham is a Beyonce fanatic. Yeah. I mean, like, seriously, it's like, ever since she came into the UFC, I've realized that she is, like, a big fan of the woman known as Sasha Fierce. I mean, it just weirded the hell out of me, really. So, uh, before we go into the fight, uh, Christian, let's talk a little bit about uh, Ham and um, UFC. That's probably how most people... Uh, got to know her. I, I guess I'll say most non-Asian MMA, JMMA fans got to know her. She did not have a good record in UFC. I believe she went 1-3, if I remember correctly. Uh, mm-hmm. She did. Why her th- one win was against Joanne. No, her one win was against... Uh, yeah, I'm drawing a blank. Beck Rollins, who is also a free agent in MMA, but is currently doing bare-knuckle boxing. Let's see. Oh, I just got to... Uh, I was about to say, sorry, uh, Christian. It was, it was actually Courtney Casey that she got the win against. Uh, she lost against Beck Rollins in the next Damn match. Damn it. But nonetheless, let's, uh, let's, you know, let's talk about... Uh, why Why was she not successful in UFC? And, your, and why do you think she wasn't able to make that transition to UFC successfully? Because when it comes down to Asian MMA, it's hard for certain Asian fighters, you know, to make that transition from fighting in a ring or in a cage in a dimly lit building somewhere in Japan or South Korea or Thailand or Singapore, hint, hint, Mm -hmm. to make that transition to fighting in the octagon where the walk is a little bit more darker where the attention is a little bit more higher and where the bright lights are just a little too damning for one psyche, you know? Mm, good point. Um, but uh, let's talk about this, uh, this, this fight that ended pretty quickly. Um, uh, uh, C.O. Hiham improves her record to 20-8 and eight now. While Tomo Mesawa, the deep actually twenty one and eight. Excuse me, yeah, twenty one and eight. Uh, while Tomo Mesawa, the current uh, deep jewels atomweight champion, uh, record does not improve to a twelve and ten record. Um, ro- ro- uh, also forgot to mention uh, Siohi Ham, Road FC atomweight champion, 
and had probably the most notable fight that she had was against Jin Yu Frey, where she basically walked uh, Frey into unconsciousness uh, at Road FC 45. Um, right, right. And what surprised me the most, and I'm skipping all the way ahead to the post-fight comments that she had, what surprised me the most was the fact that she didn't want to fight Ayaka Hamasaki. I mean, she didn't want to challenge Ayaka Hamasaki to a title fight right away because it would be the third time that those two have faced off against one another. But she basically wants a fight against Miu, against the fighting queen bee of Crazy Bee, Milky Miyu Yamamoto. Yeah, actually, she did. She, she, uh, Hom talked in Japanese, it sounded like. Did she? It sounded like Japanese that she was speaking when she, uh, uh, after she won the fight. Um, by the way, as well, let's just mention she won. She need, uh, Mesawa in the chest. Mesawa went down and then just, uh, was about to, uh, I guess you could say almost killed her. And I don't know if you remember this. Jason Herzog, who was a referee, jumped in. And like grabbed uh, Siohi Ham and like threw her as right into the middle of the ring. Did you happen to see that? Uh, to be honest, I don't think I remember seeing it, but I remember seeing it in the. I remember seeing it in highlights, obviously, even though it was before Ryzen went all DMCA on people. <laughs> oh, we'll be talking about DMCA a little bit later as well, because. Uh, we got our first DMC as well. DMC uh, notice. Um, so we'll talk right, about right, we'll talk about right, that later. But, but still, when it comes down to this particular fight, I mean, obviously, Tiohi Han murdered that girl. Yeah, <laughs> she beat that girl to oblivion. I have no idea. I have no idea how people thought that Mesa was gonna win. Um, Ham is is maybe second. Or third best Adam Wade in the world, probably as you know, probably number two now. I would say. Oh uh, well, yeah, most definitely number two because I mean, hell, she could even be number one because I mean, she could even be number one if you know Road FC paid more attention to the women's Adam Wade division. But still, she is number one because she did defeat Jin Yu Frey and did have a chance to go one on one with Ayaka Hamasaki. I mean, which is why. She mentioned, I think, in I think she that her debut appearance in Ryzen, which was I think at Ryzen 15 or 16, if I'm not mistaken, that she sees Kata Asakura, Reina Kubota, Jin Yu Frey, and Ayaka Hamasaki at the top, but she wants to be one of the top animates in Ryzen, even though in her case, really, she should be thinking about becoming a double champion. So yeah, actually, uh, so it looks like they're gonna probably um, put this fight in for Ryzen 19 uh, uh, this year in October. Um, uh, Ham versus uh, Yamamoto. Uh, what I mean, I think that's an interesting. I think that's interesting as well that she instead of calling, calling out Ayaka, I, th I think it's kind of smart, you know, because you know the last time she she fought uh, Ayaka twice. And the last time was in 2011. And both times she lost, uh, and I think that um, I think I think putting her up against the who would be presumably the next contender for Ayaka, which is Miyu, 
I think this this certainly makes it a number one contenders match. Um, and it's certainly, you know, whoever whoever wins, it, it cannot be denied a title shot against uh, Ayaka for uh, whatever presumably they plan to def uh, put that title on the line. They'll probably have it be defended at Ryzen 20 or, yeah, Ryzen 20 because, of course, you're going to have that Bellator show on December 29th if necessary. Exactly, yeah. Um, I mean, uh, if it's a Ryzen Bellator show, I don't know, maybe it won't be. Um, but, uh, I think it's, um, I think that is very, I, I thought it was a great finish by Ham, you know, especially for people who may not have seen her or only know her from her, uh, her, uh, UFC stints. I think, uh, we got, you know, be interesting matchup if that Miyu fight happens. And I think it'd be interesting as well if, you know, if Ayaka and, uh, Ham do, uh, clash, you know, it's been a while, and Ham is, is uh, I would say, is definitely a different fire then, from the, from then to now, I think it makes for an interesting third clash between the two. Right, right. And, um, how do you, I mean, how would you potentially see that fight? I mean, because I know we probably both know it's gonna be a Ham knockout, just like how it was... For this fight against my sour, but how do you see the fight ending? How do I see the um um I don't know. It's, it's tough to predict now. Um um you know Ayaka has the next has a fight coming up at Rising 18, which we'll be talking about eventually. Uh, I don't think I think we have to see how that fight goes because also you know with Hamazaki, she did not with the Jin Yu Frey match. You know, some people said that Jin Yu Frey won, which I'm a little bit perplexed about. But nonetheless, this it wasn't the best we've seen of Ayaka. But I think we have to, let's see this next fight of how it goes, and then we can I can make a better determination where Ayaka is right now, and and then um, comparing comparing the two um, and see where it's very hard for me to make a prediction this early. I mean, okay, if you put a uh, gun to my head, I say Ayaka wins. But that can change with this next fight. Who knows? Right, right, right. And um, real quick, real quick, what do you? Ah, damn it. Real quick, what are your thoughts about Tomo Maisawa, and how do you think that she'll carry on her career now that she lost to obviously a game opponent in Hamdele Silva? Well, yeah, well, the thing is that uh, she is the deep jewels atomweight champion. Um, funnily enough, she was looking for a boyfriend. For the uh, she mentioned that in the pre-fight uh, interviews that she was looking for a boyfriend. That she apparently she broke up her boyfriend after she fought Mina Kurobe. I believe beat her for uh, she beat her for the title. Uh, Mesawa. Um, unfortunately, I don't know if she'll get a boyfriend, um, or if that's improved in any way. Um, but I don't think that Mesawa is. Uh, she's at a level where she's good for deep jewels, but not good for Ryzen. Also, not to mention as well, she does have a loss against Kana Azakura in deep jewels as well in a non-title match. That just happened as well. Um, yeah, I think that Mesawa is one of those fighters who's just good enough for the uh, who's good enough for the level of competition that that that's at deep jewels. And that's a little bit. That's kind of a harsh thing to say, but I just that's how I really think. That's why I really think about it. Um, what do you think, Christian? 
I mean, to be honest, considering the fact that her record is now two wins shy, uh, I mean, now two losses shy of reaching the 500 mark, I really do think that she can improve in Deep Jewels defending her anime title because, you know, she will have some worthy competitors now coming after her for that title. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, here's the thing. I think if, if Ayaka, if, um, if, I think if anybody else, um, uh, you know, I think if Ayaka fights her for the t for that title, which probably won't happen, Ayaka wins. Kana fights her again, it won't happen. Uh, she'll win. Yeah. Um, I I don't I just don't think she she's high level competition for um for this fight uh for the for this for Ryzen for Ryzen promotion. Um, just to let everybody know as well. Uh. And this is from uh, SureDog.com from the Fight Facts Ryzen article that they did by uh, Jay Petri. He, uh, this was the first time that a, uh, a knee-related finish happened in, a, in the women's division history. Uh, so, Hom has that record um, to her name. But yeah, that's all I gotta say about this. Uh, Hams Hams a a top fighter for Ryzen. Um, I think I think she's actually better than Road F. She's above Road FC level. I think if Ryzen signed her full time, I think I think it would be beneficial to I uh to her than still being at Road FC. Oh right, right. Because of course, as you would know, Road FC has gone down the totem pole of quality, so to speak. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but we go from down the totem pole of quality to something that up on A grade, as this fight was basically deemed the people's main event, the USA versus Russia clash in the rising ring, as the honey bear, Jay Kuhn, knocked out Vitaly Shimatov, the dancing Russian bear, on a technicality, no less. Two minutes and 19 seconds of round number three. J.Q. cut open Vitaly Shimatov like a fresh tuna can. <laughs> That's another statement. But I got to ask, dude, before we even get off into the fight, I got to ask, what were your thoughts about the entrances, in particular, J.Q.'s Saturday Night Fever look? Oh, uh, it was great. Um... Loved, loved hearing the Saturday Night Fever music blasting through the famous Saitama Super Arena. He came out in the John Travolta white uh, suit. He had his shirt open. He wore the necklace. He did the the, uh, the dancing, the disco dance, the um, I don't know what, what whatever it's called. But uh, yeah, you know he he prepared for that role. He prepared not only for the fight but also to uh, to cosplay as John Travolta uh, from this uh, from the movie. Um, yeah, it was it it was gonna be the entrance of the night until uh, much later, which as we'll discuss. But yeah, it was a it was a really cool entrance. I really liked it a lot. It was really really, uh, it it was a real a really fun entrance. Um, and the crowd also as well responded to it when they heard the music. Um, I know with the Star Wars entrance that it, when he came out to at Rise of Sixteen, uh, the audience was not receptive to it. Receptive sort of, and this was because apparently Avengers is not as popular in Japan as it as it is here. So, 
I'm glad that he got a great reaction with uh, with this entrance. Um, and also before uh, the entrances, there was a VTR of of these uh, Vitaly Shematov, and I like that. Here's the thing: there was only maybe one minute about Jake Hoon, and then the rest of the VTR was about Vitaly Shematov, and they just showed a montage of all of everything he did, the Twitter uh, messages that he put out, the the um. The, the the going to Rise's office, coming uh, you know, getting those signatures uh, from from Ryzen fans to get a fight in Ryzen. It was just funny that like they they were able to incorporate all that into the uh, VTR, and it felt like JQ was kind of like he was kind of like at at the, uh, at the back of the bus, so to speak. It it was he uh, he was kind of like the uh, second the the second player in this whole uh, in this whole thing. He wasn't really happy about being the B side to Shimatov's A side. Oh, absolutely especially not. Especially when it came down to that. Especially when it came down to that promotional video. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Especially, yeah. Um, but I got, I, you know, obviously the story was that there's a lot of people that were looking forward to this fight. A lot of people were, a lot of people were were calling this the well, like the de facto main event. So, I'm gonna ask you, Christian. Did the fight deliver? Did the show talk? Yeah, kind of, I mean, to be honest, it did because it was pretty much a battle between two big boys. Well, shit, not really big boys because it was a light heavyweight contest, but it was, it felt like a Haas battle, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, just also uh, let everybody know this was a fight at light heavyweight. Uh, and, uh,. I think we also got to talk about uh, some of the things that happened um, during this match. So, um, Jake Hoon, um, apparently, uh, in the referee's eyes, grabbed uh, Vitaly's throat when he was trying to post up. And so, we d I did talk to Jake Hoon yesterday, and I asked him about this. Uh, what he said he was trying to do was, so in America, you're allowed to, to uh, put your hand on the person's throat to post up and get out of uh, out, out of uh, a position. You can't choke them, obviously. That's illegal. Uh, but apparently in Japan, you cannot put your hands on the throat like that in any form. Uh, so that's why he... That was... Uh, that's why the referee thought that he was choking him uh, that way. Um, and um, what also happened was that there was a uh, an inside leg kick by Jake Kuhn to Shemitov. Inadvertently hit Shemitov in the balls. Um, referee call for a break. And then, uh, second round, Jay Kuhn got, got Shemitov in the corner, was wailing punches on him, and it looked like it was going to finish it, finish the fight. And then, Kuhn need Shemitov in the balls by accident. Mm. Shemitov went down. It looked incredibly painful. Uh, Shemitov took, took the five minutes. Uh, for the uh, groin shot, uh, and then um, Hewn got a uh, yellow card uh, from the referee, and um, yeah, he lost fifteen percent of his purse. Um, it go, it, it, that's what happens when you get a yellow card. Um, what are your thoughts on these fouls? I don't believe that they were at all intentional. JQ is not the type of guy who does intentional fouls. Yeah, true, true. Because when it comes down to Jake Hume, he's a hell of a lot more cleaner when it comes down to his fighting. Um, 
I think we also got to talk about the um, the finish. So referee Ryugaku Ryugaku Wada. Uh, he's for those that don't know, I he's the guy. I like to say he's the referee who doesn't like to see people on the ground. He will scream action if there's like a second of, of nobody doing anything, and he will stand up people very fast if they're not doing anything. Uh, and in 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 this case, when he stopped the fight, I don't know if I've ever seen this before, if I can recall this ever uh, recently. But uh, yeah, after uh, Hume split open Shematov, Shematov just started gushing everywhere, and then Wada stopped the fight. Uh, well, he 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 called time, looked at Shematov, and then waved it off. They didn't look at the doctor. He didn't take him to the doctor. They didn't try to wipe it off. They actually he stopped the fight based on the cut. So I thought that was a very interesting. That was very interesting. I don't think I, I can't remember the last time I've ever seen a referee wave off a cut without seeing getting a uh, uh, consulting the doctor. Can you ever recall that happening? I think I remember the fights stopping on account of a single cut in the U.S. before, but I don't really remember when they were. But yeah, that felt a little crazy to me because. You know, Shimatar was probably thinking, I can still go, I can still go, but still, obviously, Hume changed that back. I mean, obviously, Hume changed the trajectory of the fight, but I do think that it was weird to see the fight ending on a technicality, basically. Yeah, you know, it kind of sucks that, you know, this, this big type of fight kind of ended that way. Um... But it was still. This is a. This is. It's been a while since Jake Kuhn got a big finish like that. Um. So glad for him that he got the finish that way. But also it sucks that Shemitov lost. Um. Yeah, it does. So like, so the question I'm gonna pose to you, uh, Christian, do we do? Should Shemitov come back to Ryzen, in the future? Is he Ryzen worthy? He loves. He loves Ryzen so much. That I wouldn't be surprised if he comes back. But he's going to have to prove in his next Rising fight that he can, you know, hang in there with the best of them. I mean, hell, he probably might have to move up to heavyweight. Um, uh, I think that he's absolutely Rising worthy. A lot of people, you know, said that he should absolutely come back. Um, I'm going to get some comments as well. So Copper Box Caretaker said... Shemitov, he should be given ice to numb, numb the pain and then bring him back in October. Uh, and then Charles Fraga said, uh, bring him back to New Year's Eve. People love him. And that's absolutely true. When he came out, he got a massive uh, reception from the audience despite never fighting, fighting in Ryzen. So that has to be taken into account that, that the audience gave him a, a, an incredible reception for a, a debut, um, especially for never fighting for the promotion. Um... I also think that he, you know, that he's quite a character, and that Ryzen can benefit from someone who can promote the fights, his fights, the way that he does. I think he's a very, um, and here's the thing: he did, he looked. The problem was that Jake Kuhn was the better fighter overall for this fight, but Shemitov did not look bad. Um, I guess here's, you know, we'll talk about talk about it later, but I think putting him up against Hoon Kim would be a good fight. I think that are you are you sure about that? I think that Shemitov could easily beat uh, Hoon Kim. 
I really think that. I think that it'll be a great. That's a great way for Shadow Top to get a win in Ryzen. Right, right. I can understand you on that because, as we'll talk about later, Hong Kim would pretty much seem like a gimme fight for Vitaly Shimatov. Um, well, let's see. So, also in the post-fight interview, Jay Kuhn said that, um, let's see, I'm going to get his comments up. Um, uh, he said that he wants to fight on New Year's Eve, and, um, he didn't particularly say anybody's name, but, uh, could, potential fight could be, uh, him versus, uh, Ivan Shurtikov. Do you think that's a fight that could be, uh, worth making? If they don't make it, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they didn't make that clear, like, Horizon 19. Yeah, I, I think I think they could do that. Um, uh, but I know that Hewn also wants that rematch with Jiri. And he said he wants to get two or three three wins before he fights Jiri again. Um, I think it would be an interesting matchup between those two, uh, Yvonne and, uh, and Hewn. Uh, I don't wouldn't know who to pick pick that because that's gonna be a tough fight for both of them. Um, Shemitov as well. well. If you think about it, if you think about it, this is his second consecutive win inside the Ryzen ring. Yes. All he would really need is one more. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and uh, Shemitov um, said that uh, that after the groin shot, he was he is okay, uh, and he, he and his team were satisfied satisfied with the result, uh, but that. Uh, it was ter- it was terrible, but that he fought three rounds, and he's happy that he fought three rounds. By the way, I just want to also let everybody know I'm getting this from uh, the Twitter account Shirobi uh, at Shirobi, who has a MMA blog, Japanese MMA blog, and uh, posts a lot of the uh, post uh, uh, fight uh, comments on their Twitter. So uh, yeah, I think Shamatov should absolutely come back. He could, he'll be a, he his upside is a lot more. And you got put him up against someone like a Hoon Kim. I think, you know, he'll get an easy win after that. And then, you know, they can decide, you know, who who will still, uh, well, you know, maybe a little tougher opponent after that. Um, but, you know, Shemitov to Ryzen worked out in the end. And, you know, I think a lot of people were, were finally happy that Shemitov got his shot. Fight, so we can pat ourselves on the back. Yeah, I and I just thought you know that Hewn, you know, he was already you know he already was had already had his fight in Ryzen 16, which was which was a few weeks ago from the uh, Ryzen 8 to 17 show. He was already you know in fight shape or getting down the fight shape. You know he didn't have any ring rust uh, like like Shemitov who didn't fight in two years. Shemitov did not look good on the ground when um, Shemitov looked. Really bad on the ground. With a uh, Hume was like basically outclassed him on the ground. He looked good in the stand up. He got some good shots on and here on Hume. But uh, yeah, I gotta say, you know, I, I think there's one thing that Shemitov can go and improve on is the is his ground game, grappling, grappling defense, um, getting out of a position where he can, where ground and pound can potentially happen to him. Um, but um. Yeah, you know, happy that Hewn got the win, and hopefully we'll get to see uh, the dancing Russian uh, grace a rising ring again. Yeah, hopefully so, because, of course, as you mentioned, the fans love him. They just want to get the chance to see him again. Yeah, they like both guys. They like both guys. 
I'll, I'll say this though, you know, I still think it's weird that Japan is, is so, and is so, has this weird approach to blood in a fight. And yeah, I know this was a really bad cut, but like, I would have at least gone this, I would brought it to the doctor, and the doctor would probably have waved it off. I don't know, something about a referee waving off a cut that I just don't find, it's just, it's just weird. I don't know if a referee should make that decision, in my personal opinion. But I also, right, right. but also, human did say that you know. So when it's a, when it's near the eye, it's different than you know on the forehead. Which if you remember uh, the um, BJ Penn versus Joe Stevenson, that's what happens. That uh, BJ Penn elbowed uh, Stevenson on, on the forehead, and he got this gigantic uh, bleeding cut on his forehead. Uh, but that's why they didn't stop the fight because it was on the forehead. Once it go, it's near the eye, um, then that's when. Um, in the um, and that's when that's when the referee that's when they stop the fight apparently, because that affects your vision and all that. Right. Um, but uh, yeah. Other than that, um, good fight. Live up to the hype. Hopefully, we'll, we'll get to see Shemitov again, and we'll definitely be seeing Hoon again. Oh yeah. We'll mention why later. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think this will be the maybe the last time he's on the um, where he's on. I don't want to say the pre-show, but he's before the intermission. I think he's gonna start being the post-intermission, uh, a, a post-intermission fighter now. I mean, yeah, because if you would, I mean, because if you think about it, the last time he was after the intermission. I mean, we all know he was the main event of the Ryzen 13 card that was dampened by the tsunami or typhoon or whatever. But still, the last time he was in a higher profile position was in his first Ryzen fight against Yuri Prohaska, and obviously he lost. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's a tough fight though to take as your first fight. So you know, it doesn't it doesn't you know say you lost against Yuri is not is. Not that, uh, you know, it's, it's something that it could be, it's, it's suspected. And then he had the tough fight with Rocky Martinez, split decision win. Um, and then he had this fight, which is, I think this is the best, this is the best he's looked in a major fight probably since, um, in quite a while. He looked like a complete MMA fighter, uh, Jay Kuhn. Uh, mm-hmm. Exactly. Ah uh, yes, let's get into what everybody's talking about with Ryzen. This lightweight uh, Grand Prix is happening with uh, fights that were go are going to have pr a pretty much a deciding factor on who's in and who's not. So Christian, I, I give the floor to you. Okay, so we kick off the Ryzen lightweight Grand Prix qualifiers with Humberto Satoshi de Sosa giving Mizuto Pugnis Herota one hell of a career, one hell of a career-threatening decision, knocking him out in three minutes and five seconds. And of course, Roberto Satoshi de Souza for him, this is his ninth fight with his ninth straight finish. And Hirota 
is fresh off of his second UFC stint, and he comes back into Japan with a loss, and I told you before, I mean, I told everybody before in my review that if Hiroto wasn't careful, he was going to get turned into a meme instead of a highlight, even though I know now BMCA pretty much wiped that out, but still, one of the matter is, I mean, I think Sosa is nothing to be trifled with. That, I mean, what were your thoughts about this fight going into this beatdown? Oh, I'll, I'll say in a second, but thank you for reminding me about the DMC thing, which I mentioned before. So, I just want to say, I did post uh, uh, Jake Kuhn's entrance, uh, Saturday Night Fever entrance, uh, on the Real Horizon Twitter uh, account, and it was DMC'd, DMCA'd by uh, Gaio, uh, the 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 channel that was showing the Ryzen 17 show live in Japan. Um, they did a apparently this is a, this is the first time this like happened in mass. A, a bunch of uh, people were DMCA'd uh, for posting Ryzen 17 clips um, from the from this show for some reason. So that's why how we got our first DMCA. Uh, but regarding uh, this fight. Oh, uh, you know, I everybody said that DeSouza was gonna DeSouza would win, but everybody said he's gonna submit him, and then that didn't happen. He knocked out Hirota, which is maybe like nobody saw at all. I did not see this being a knockout win for for uh, Satoshi. Um, this guy is this guy is you know is you know he's a He's an MMA fighter through and through now, I have to say. He's no longer just a grappling guy, as we saw in the uh, Kitawoka fight. He is a guy who is close to or is at a full MMA level. And he took on Mizoto Hirota, who's already been finished once before. And that was against Shinya Aoki, when Aoki famously broke his arm with that hammerlock and then gave him the finger. Other than that fight... Hirote was never finished. It was all decision losses. So, to be finished that quickly by a guy who, uh, who's, you know, who you think is not a finisher with, with a knockout or TKO, that tells me a lot. And DeSouza is going to be a fighter to look at uh, in this tournament. It'll be interesting to see who he's put up against. Because... Just not even like a submission finisher. He can finish people, but with with stand up, which is which is that makes him even more of a compelling fire. Like you know, put up against you know Giant Case or or Kawajiri or anybody else who's gonna be in this lightweight tournament. And you wonder, you know, how is he gonna fare up against people who have been doing this longer than him and presumably have just more MMA experience? Because he's already. He's already knocked out some guy, the guy, the, the 
I think the first true MMA fighter that he's that he's fought for Mizuto Hirota, it's a, it, he's a he's a much more interesting fighter to look at now. Rather, you know, he's no you you don't know, he can finish anybody from any way. I think that's incredibly impressive uh, with Satoshi. Um, it's it'll, it'll be in, or you know what maybe he gets paired up with uh with uh Patricky Pitbull. And then, how does that fight go? That would be a fun fight. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Um, let's see if I have any post uh, post fight comments from um, Satoshi here. Um, uh, I mean, if I can think about it, I mean, even though I didn't post it down on the MMA Opinion Facebook page, he said that he was dedicating the fight to one of his dearest friends who helped him get through everything when it came down to training for this fight. Oh, who was that? Uh, do you, who, who was that? Do you happen to remember? I think his name was Ren Salmoto. Okay. Um, oh, here's Satoshi. So, uh, uh, Satoshi said that he's glad that his punch hit. And he did train jujitsu hard, but uh, and he knew that his opponent was uh, was was tough uh, when it came to uh, getting punched. But he's trying to aim to fight at all, uh, uh, as an all-round fighter. Um, he said he can fight at 65 kilograms and at lightweight. Um, hmm. uh, he wants and he wants people to know that uh, that. He is here for Ryzen, not UFC. Um, oh, interesting. Now, was this was this the Sosa's comments? Yes, that was the Sosa's comments. Yes. Right, right. I get what I mean. I really do get what he meant by that because he's basically saying, you know, I don't want to fight in the UFC. I only want to be loyal to Ryzen. And uh, here's some comments from uh, Mizuto Hirota. He said that he couldn't do anything, and uh, while his opponent failed twice to take him down, which I don't think is true, uh, he got that first takedown on uh, on uh, Hirota, and it looked like he was going to submit him. Uh, he said that uh, Hirota said that he, he was expected uh, he expected uh, uh, that uh, Satoshi came to strike, and that he, that um, unfortunately a lot of people think that he is done, and that he does not want to finish. His career this way, but the result is the result. Um, Which, come to think of it, do you think that Mizuto Putnis Hirota has seen his last go round? Um, how old is he right now? Do you happen to know? Um, let me check because I know he ain't that old, like in his forties or whatever, but he isn't. I don't even think that he's old enough to be... Oh, he's 38 back on May 5th. Um, he's getting up there in age, though. He's not really that old yet, but he basically sees that with the fact that he's currently riding a four-fight and losing streak, and the other three losses came in his second UFC stint, which now his career record in the UFC is one, five, and one. But still, he probably sees
necessarily has to retire. Um, what I would do is I would have two of the losers as maybe an alternate. Um, so if he wanted to to throw his hat in to be as an alternate for this for this tournament, I don't think that'd be a bad idea. Uh, put up against one of the other losers in the um, uh, that happened to lose uh, on this card or maybe on a future card. Um, I mean, I don't know about Kitawoka at this point. We'll talk about that uh, shortly. But uh, uh, Kalikov, yeah, I think that's a that's that's you could do something like that. Um, I can't recall if he's if he ever faced Gomi, but if you want to do like a dream, uh, like a, a big dream, uh, like dynamite versus. Uh, 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 versus Sengoku, yeah, pretty much. yeah, fight between him and Gomi. I think that's an interesting fight to make. Um, actually, no, it would be Pride versus Sengoku. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I think I think you could put him up against with Gomi. Uh, by the way, Gomi was on this show, and they uh probably was drunk as well. Just letting everybody know. Um. I think I think you gotta put him up against someone like that. Um, I don't know, like um, I mean, in that or you know the alternate. You know, I don't think he has to retire. What do you think, Christian? I I'm, I don't. I think it's a little bit um, a little bit presumptuous to say that he is, this is gonna be his last fight. Well, to be quite honest, he's thirty-eight. But calling it a career now would just be too harsh. Because he's currently riding a four-fight losing streak, but I don't think that he wrote to has what it takes to, you know, call it a career. Because if we would have known that beforehand, he would have been put the gloves in the middle of the ring and called it into his career. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. I agree. Um, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, maybe as an alternate, uh, an alternate uh, match. Uh, matchup, you do that, but yeah, don't you don't need to to to, to call it a career after after this loss. Um, but I gotta say, you know, yeah. Satoshi looked great. You know, can't wait to see what he's gonna do in this in this lightweight tournament. Um, he's gonna be he's gonna be one of the guys to really look at. I wouldn't be even surprised if he. I wouldn't be surprised if he makes it to the semifinals. Um. Have, I mean, because if you realize, Roberto has what it takes to possibly be a finalist in this tournament. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Um, but I think I think well, in the next match uh, we're going to talk about, I think I think so far is right now my my current favorite for this. Um, uh, oh no, no, I mean uh, no, no, uh, not in the next fight. Um, we're going to talk about the next match, which will be. I think I'm going to have some. Uh, I guess. I guess. I guess you could say the least favorite in this um, lightweight tournament. Yeah, and speaking of a guy who would have had retirement ramifications had he lost in this next fight, Tatsuya Crusher Kawajiri defeated Ali Abdul Kalikov via unanimous decision and. It really weirded me out that he didn't came, that he did not come out to that song that he normally comes out to 
Instead, he came out to Robbie Williams' Let Me Entertain You, which hmm. was what he came out to, if I'm not mistaken, in Dream and on the Garnoka car. Yeah, he came out to uh, good old Robbie Williams, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, it kind of weirded me out because didn't Robbie Williams have some sort of... I mean, didn't Robbie Williams have trouble with the law? Oh, I didn't know that, huh? I, I never knew that. I mean, I understand that people always get hyped up, especially over in Europe, whenever... He bust out, let me entertain you, but eh, I don't know. I yeah. don't see what's the hype behind that song anyways, other than the fact that it used to be played in Pride FC a lot. Mm -hmm. Especially mm -hmm. for the shockwave shows at the end of the year. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But still, Tatsuya Crusher Kawajiri shook off those retirement rumors by defeating a game opponent in He did enough to win, I'll say that. But he did not look good in attempting to get the win. I'm going to explain this. So, in the first round, um, Kawajiri got tagged pretty hard by Ka Abdul Kalikov. Uh, and even knocked down. Um, but what happened, was, it's so funny. Literally three times in this fight, um, Kalikov took... Uh, uh, um, what was it? Uh... Uh, it was uh, uh, no Kawajiri. Well, I think it was Kawajiri who had uh, Abdul uh, Kalikov's back, and then tried for uh, and then uh, Kalikov tried for a um a Kimura, kind of like uh, Henzo and Sakuraba. Remember that? Uh, where uh, Henzo has yeah, Henzo Gracie Kazushi Sakuraba. Um, I think, and it's funny that when uh, Kalikov tried for that uh, would try for that um. Uh, uh, the uh, Kimura, uh, uh, Kawajiri just reversed it and was able to do uh, to out grapple uh, Kalikov. Um, I think, but the right, Ka right. Kawajiri though did not look. He he was he was exhausted by the second round. He actually crawled back to his corner, um, and he looked. He looked just like he did not look too too good in this fight overall. Um, it was like I'm trying to think of like how it was, he he looked just like he just looked like a mess. He did not look healthy. He was struggling to breathe. He he was exhausted. Um, he did enough to win though, and that's exactly that that's what happened and. You know, I'm happy that um, I'm happy that uh, that he that he that it happened, but um, yeah, uh, uh, it's like you're basically happy that he won, but still, you didn't feel like he deserved the win, right? No, he deserved a win because he he obviously did what the judges he did enough to get the judges' eyes. But like, if I see him in this tournament, 
I cannot see him going far at all in this tournament at all. I really cannot. It's considering up who who's in this tournament. I can see him being eliminated by whoever he faces, and that's like basically the like basically you see him getting short lived, getting short changed and short lived, right? Exactly. So yeah, um, and, and it's weird because. Abdul Kalikov looks like he looked like a better fighter, I would say. But you know, Kawaji just was he just did he was able to do enough to get to get points. And I don't think I'm trying to think was there was I don't think there was no point in the fight where I think Kawaji had had a finish on Kalikov, but Kalikov almost finished uh Kawaji with with strikes in the first round. Um but yeah, I just I don't think Karajiri is gonna go at all far in this tournament uh, when the next fight happens. And I know a lot of JMMA, you know, gatekeepers are gonna get pissed off at that. But here's the thing, you know, like, I'm gonna be realistic. He's he's struggled. Karajiri has looked bad in all of his most recent fights. So I'm not just pulling this out of my ass. This is based on cur uh, on recent history. So. Yeah. And of course, I picked Ali to win, so I have to take the bump on that one. But do you have any Shirobi comments to reiterate on before we move on? Yeah, sure. Let's see. So, for uh, Kalikov, he said that his opponent was better today and that um, he felt that uh, Kaoji was was like the same age as him and that this was, that he could, that. That he couldn't fight at a, uh, that Kalikov was saying that he himself couldn't fight at a hundred percent. Oh, by the way, also as well, this is Kalikov's first loss, um, bringing him to seven. Oh, and, yeah, seven and one now. Um, Kawajiri uh, said that uh, he says that um, he um, at featherweight that he was losing stamina by the third round, and that uh, his opponent was a great opponent. Uh, but at 41, people look down on on him, and that he ha doesn't like that. Um, he he knows that he he says that he can fight against the lightweight Grand Prix um, uh, opponents, um, but he wants to fight the winner of the main event of Ryzen 17. And I do Which not was Mikuru Asakura versus Yusuke Yachi. Yes, and I don't think that it will be a smart fight for Kawajiri at all. Uh, oh, no shit, because of the fact that, because of the obvious fact that Asakura, who we'll talk about later on in this review, Asakura is a beast, regardless. I even think Yachi would would still beat uh, would beat Kawajiri at this stage. Um, oh, of course, of course. But we'll have to see where he, where he's where he's placed in this tournament. Uh, I know also just another note as well. Apparently, Ryzen has said the commentator said this that even if you win your match, if you like did not do enough, like did not put make the fight as exciting, you may not even be qualifying for the tournament as well. So, presumably, Kaoju, you know, may not even be in the lightweight Grand Prix. I presume that he will be, but if he's not in, then we'll know why because they weren't too happy with how uh, how he fought this fight. 
I'm asking you, and uh, no, and Christian, you'd pick Kawajiri. Yes, I know. I take the brunt of telling go. Well, damn, pal. <laughs> mm-hmm. So you you took the you took the W I mean, in this. I basically I basically picked him out on a whim, you know. Yeah, I picked I picked Abdul Kali Cobb. So you got the W, I got the L. Oh, oh, of course, of course. But speaking of a fight that I'm pretty sure we both picked a W. I mean, I'm pretty. Blah, what am I saying? Damn it. Speaking of a fight that I'm pretty sure we both picked the W on, you said that Johnny Case defeated Sonu, the crazy koala, Ice Senshi, <laughs> Crazy Eyes Kitaoka via Corner Dragage. Yes, that's that's what I call it because okay. So this fight lasted the full, technically the first full round. Um, what basically the fight it was. Oh, so basically John, Johnny Case, Johnny Hollywood Case, basically put a beating on Kitawoka, like a, like a a very like uncomfortable beating, elbowing him in the in the temple, bashing him in in his in his head. And what happened was that when the round ended. By the way, also as well, Johnny Case did not get hit once in this fight. Um, he, uh... So I guess you can say flawless victory. It was an absolutely a flawless victory. <laughs> an absolutely flawless victory for, uh, Johnny Case. So, uh, so here's what happens. So Johnny, so the the round ends. Um, Kitawoka is laying down on the ground, like, breathing, like, 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 almost, like, breathing, like, not exhausted breathing, but like, <gasps> like, he's like, it sounds like dying breath. His corner runs over to him. Picks him up and brings him back to his corner, and the matches. I, I I could not believe that. I have never seen that in a major MMA promotion where someone a fighter had to be picked up and dragged to their corner, um, because of the beating that they took. Now here's the thing as well. So, re- the referee was in Johnny Case's corner. Just talking, just looking, just looking over Johnny Case. He was not. He had his back turned to Kitawoka, and was totally oblivious to what was going on. I have no idea why that happened, but it was the referee. This referee was a fucking idiot, and like this was, I would never let him ref ever again. Um, as well, uh, luckily the corner of Kitawoka actually threw in the towel and said and decided not to let him go the next round um, because it, it, this fight would have ended badly. Had it gone a second round, I actually think that if, they, if it continued, I think I think Kido Oka probably would have collapsed and just like would have just gone into unconsciousness when the bell rang. Um, yeah. In a way, I guess when it came down to Kitoka's corner, they were all like Apollo Creed when he got killed by Ivan Drago, and the corner was basically saying, "Oh, the damn town." Also, but this is also, um, here's the thing as well that's really scary. So, we had two boxers die recently because of damage they sustained in the ring. Uh, Maxim Davachev, um, who was, um, he didn't die in the ring, but he died after the fight. And what happened was that his, um, his corner, cornerman, um, forgetting what his name is, Clay, um, James Buddy McGirt. Oh, James Buddy McGirt. Yes. Um, why did I say Clay? Um, oh yeah, because I'm thinking of Clay Guida. Um, 
uh, of a fight that he's coming up with. So, uh, yeah. So, yeah, Buddy, Buddy McKirk waved off the fight. He saw that his fighter was 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 not doing well, so he waved off the fight. I forgot how many rounds it went, but unfortunately, it was not enough um, to... Uh, went 11, that fight went 11 rounds. 11 rounds. Okay, so one round less uh, than the full 12. Um so and yeah, uh, he uh, this uh, Davichet guy collapsed and then died later. And then there was one more fighter, uh, Christian. I keep on forgetting his name, but uh, who was the other boxer who uh, who unfortunately died? I think it was Mateus Dinamita Satalan. So I don't know the exact um, details of what, what what happened with him, but I'm guessing it's probably similar as well. Um. It's kind of scary that, you know, I don't want to say that Kiyawoka could have died if this fight continued, but, like, but, just, like, just, like, it's really scary to think about that, that, like, those two deaths happened, and the possibility of Kiyawoka succumbing to his injuries is just as high if that fight continued. Do you think so? Hmm. Uh, I think so, because, of course... Fight ended in the first round. It was, I mean, obviously, if the fight would have continued, Satoru Kitaoka could have very well died in the ring, like those two deaths that we just mentioned. But luckily, the referee, you know, stopped the fight when needed, and that was at the end well, of round one. Sorry, Christian. Sorry to interrupt, but I know that's kind of your thing. But the referee did not stop the fight. You have to remember that. It was this corner who threw in the towel. The referee... Oh. We watched that fight. And you can see this this referee is... And, and even even during the fight when uh, when uh, uh, Johnny Case was walloping on uh, on, on Kitawoka, he was He didn't look like he was even like trying to consider stopping it. And then when the, when the round ended, he goes to Case's corner to check on him. First of all, Case did not even get touched once. And he's not even... He didn't even bother to go over to Kitawoka's corner. That's some really fucked up shit. That's that's like Steve Mazagai level of of rep, referee fucking up. Uh, of course, and nobody wants to be like Steve Mazagai. Exactly. Yeah. Nobody. And I don't know if you Mario Yamazaki for that level too. Exactly. So uh, well, at least at least Yamazaki's a competent referee at times. But th- but this um um. It was just like, it, it, it bothered me that this referee, you know, seemed like that he wanted Kitawoka to win or be a warrior, as uh, Mario Yamazaki once famously said. Um, oh, God. But, uh... I'm surprised that he's still repping after that BS comment. Absolutely. Um, of Kitawoka as well, let's just let everybody know his condition. After he apparently got um, concussion and aneurysm, um, and he was, he was, uh, he could not, he was suspended from flying to Manila to attempt, uh, uh, to help, uh, with a, uh, someone at his, uh, at the Lotus gym, uh, who's having a fight in Manila. He couldn't, uh, be in their corner cause he can't take a, you know, he suffered massive injuries to the, uh, head. You can't take an air, uh, a pressurized, uh, flight to, uh, anywhere. Um, so that's what he met. That's what Kiroka wrote on Twitter. Um, at first it was weird that Johnny Case broke his elbow during the match, 
But uh, no, it was yeah, not. Yeah, I mean, I know we talked about that with him. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it turned out luckily that it was not a broken elbow, so he is probably going to be fast tracked into the lightweight tournament uh, in October. Um, uh, let's see. Um, uh, he said that he wants to fight uh, Patricio Pitbull because um, he's the most established guy in the Grand Prix. Um, just to correct our, uh, uh, something that I said, and maybe I think John K said, you know, uh, Patricio Pitbull is a champion contender, not a former champion. Um, once again, getting our Pitbull brothers mixed up, probably. Um, yeah, Patricio's the one with the double. Patricio is the lightweight and featherweight champion of Bellator. Patricio's a former lightweight title challenge. Yeah, um, but, you know, Johnny Case got to be in this tournament. I, right now, and I said, as I said in that interview, he is my favorite to win right now. I think he's looked amazing in, in his two rising fights. Funnily enough, he hasn't gotten, like, a clean finish. It's either been, like, doctor stoppage or the corner or, or corner stoppage. Just, you know, he's had really, like, two unique stoppages, I think. But, like, he's looked great in both of his fights. And right now, it's currently my favorite to win this tournament. And I cannot wait to see him back in Ryzen. He's going to look magnificent. Um, but I can't wait to see him fighting Ryzen again either, considering the fact that he managed to finish both of his opponents in some pretty unique fashion. Okay, so but the big question I have is, um, what about Kitawoka? He took his last two fights have ended in in brutal TKOs, um, knockouts of some kind. Actually, um, uh, and uh, he had one of his other fights in Ryzen ended the same way. Actually, I'm sorry too. Uh, the Achi fight and the um, uh, the uh, Strasser Kichi fight, um, which is at 170, by the way. What do you think about uh, what? Do you have a fight again in MMA in Ryzen? Try and diminish the man's career. The dude's 39 years old. He can still kick a lot of ass, but still. I think it's time for the former champion, former champion of Deep and Sengoku, to maybe hang the gloves in the middle of the ring because, you know, even though he said that fighting is better to him than Dirk Curtin. <laughs> I think it would be best for Satoru Kitaoka to think this one through because, you know, if he thinks the wrong decision, you know, maybe I got one more fight left in me. It might be his last. Um, just, I'm not just talking about with one that he can come away cleanly from. Forgot to also mention, uh, if you remember uh, Ryzen 11, he fought uh, Diego Brandao and basically almost lost the same way as... Uh, Almost was going to lose the same way in this fight where he grabbed onto a limb and just held onto that limb like for, for, for dear life. And then uh, he got got the, the shit pummeled out of him. Um, just let everybody know as well, again, from the Fight Facts um, article from Sherlock.com, that this brings Kitaoka's fifth loss in Ryzen um, after this. So... Um, so would you basically say he's the most losingest fighter in rising history? Yes. Um. Uh. Consistently, yes. As a like a regular, absolutely. And then his only his the fights that he's won in rising were against uh, Crookshank and uh, Kawajiri. Um. 
So he is right now at two, four, six. He's a he's at two and six in Ryzen overall. Oh, right. Um, but after the beam that he took, you know, I don't know if I would I would actually want him to be back in. The, there's a gonna be there's gonna be a point where it's gonna become scary watching him fight, um, for his health if he if he has another MMA match. I think. I honestly think I think this is a case of where he should call it quits. I think I think he's suffered way too much damage recently um, in his career in, in his recent career. I don't think I don't want to see him. Um, I don't want to see him take any more damage, unnecessary damage than he's already uh, that he's already suffered. I think it's I think especially because the thing is that he's not a true MMA fighter. In that he the problem is that he's a submission guy. When he he'll go for submission, and that's the only thing he'll 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 try to achieve, and that's what his downfall is. Is that he, he if he goes up against a striker like Giant Case or Brandau, they 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 recognize that and they just pummel the shit out of him, and he's and he's done for. That's right. It's right. he. I think he's too old to adapt to being a clean a clean cut MMA fighter. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Uh... Christian, do you think you bring him back for one more fight or a retirement fight or something along those lines? They should bring him back for a retirement fight, but if they tell him it's time to go, then he need to go ahead and hang the gloves in the middle of the ring because, you know, I think you're right. It'll be too tragic to see Satoru Kito could take one more fight knowing that it might be his last fight that he'll ever have. Exactly. Not just as far as an active fighter, but as an actual human being. Exactly. Yeah. I don't. I, you know. Don't. Even, I don't even want to put up against a loser or somebody like Gomi or a uh, Hirota. I think. I think. If you want. Well, well. If you want to have one more fight, sure. Then that's the retirement fight. But I don't want to see him regularly fighting for Ryzen or for Deep anymore. I think. I think he's at a point where he has to call it quits. Um, don't want to see him take any more unnecessary damage. Yeah, because if you think about it, he's going to be turning 40 in like six months. Yeah. And the best ha- thing to do was to plan for the future after 40, right? Yeah, exactly. And I think this is, a, this, is a, this was his 71st fight. He's fought since, uh, let me get the year that, he's, that he, uh, for since... Halloween two th- 2000. Halloween 2000, so 19 years, almost going on 20, potentially. Yeah. Don't think that he should, you know... With the amount of damage he's taken, I don't think that it's wise for him to continue. If you want to do some grappling tournaments, got no problem with that if Ryzen brings those back. But no more. I don't want to see any him in any more MMA fights. Um, it's not going to be good. That's all I can say. Uh-huh. Exactly. But we, get, we again both pick Johnny Case to win this fight. Yep. Majority, yep. And I think it was in the best interest. And to be honest, before we move on to the rest of the part, Colbert and Satoshi DeSosa being a potential preview of a lightweight Grand Prix semifinal, or maybe even the lightweight Grand Prix finals. Sorry, Christian, could you repeat the question again? You cut out. Basically, what I asked. 
do you see Hoberto Satoshi De Sosa versus Johnny Case being a lightweight Grand Prix semifinal or final preview? Potentially, yeah, I could see that. Um, you know, also we can't forget uh, Pitbull um, as well. Um, but I think I think that Johnny Case it will most likely come down to Johnny Case and uh, Satoshi De Sosa. Christian, what was that? I had, to, I had to talk to my roommates. Uh, yeah, I was basically saying you were getting some background noise on your end, and I am as well, because it's about to start thundering and lightning over here yeah. in the southeast part of the state of Texas. So huh, let's go ahead and continue on with the rest of the car as quickly as we can. Yes. Tiger, Tiger Kawabe ended his six-point winless streak by the beating Hikaru Machida via unanimous decision. Of course, I picked, and as you probably stated, you picked Tiger to win. No, wait, I picked... Ah, oh, damn it. I said in the review that I wanted Tiger to... I wanted Tiger to at least survive, even though I picked Hikaru to win. But you probably must have picked Tiger to win. Nope, I picked uh, Hikaru Machida. Well, listen, let's be honest, you know, um, Taiga was on a five-fight losing streak. Um, actually... And six-fight winless streak. Six-fight winless streak overall, with, uh, one draw in that, uh, during that whole thing. But five fights he lost, including the, and Ryzen, um, uh, 16 was it, that he, uh, was, uh, soundly defeated by Talistin Gomez Fejeja, uh, excuse me, Ryzen 15, and was also eliminated from the Rise. Um, World Series tournaments uh, that's happening uh, this year, and um, yeah, I can see why people were not were like, oh, you know, Machida is gonna win this. Um, the story of this fight though was uh, Machida did not take Taiga at all seriously. Um, Machida, so did you did you hear? So did you see the whole thing about this um, Machida doing the EI punch? Um, that apparently has knocked out a bunch of opponents. To be honest, I didn't really get a chance to see it because my, again, my Wi-Fi sucked. But still, I could have sworn that Hikaru was setting up for that particular punch and obviously, ten, I mean, obviously Taiga's seen it coming from a mile away. Yeah, <laughs> actually funny enough that uh, Taiga actually mocked the same punch. He did the same thing as well to uh, Mishida. Um, but it's interesting that um, that Mishida, you know, uh, is that Mishida has actually knocked out... So basically, the, what this punch is, he basically simulates taking out a samurai sword and then and then punches the person in the head with an uppercut or a, um, or, or a, a hook. And it, he, Mishida has apparently knocked out people like this. Um, which is very impressive. Um, but, um, so this fight went all three rounds. It was actually 
one are gonna be my fight tonight until another fight happens later because these so these two just would not let let out. They just were like it just it was just continuous, continuous boxing, kickboxing, kicks, punches. Um and it was very hard to really decide who was gonna win. But then Taiga got one knockdown in the third round, and that was the deciding factor, I think, and why uh, Taiga got the unanimous decision. Um, thing is also, uh, Tenshin Nasukawa was watching his fights, and Taiga... Yeah, because he wants to fight Taiga, and then wants to fight Takaru, but since the Takaru fight has a lot of red tape behind it, I'm pretty sure the Taiga fight will be a lot safer. Okay, yeah, so basically during this, uh, I'll have to say this, Taiga is not... Glad he got the win, but he is not uh, tension worthy. Absolutely not. He is not. He... So you basically think he didn't deserve the win, is what you're saying? Well, or that he didn't. Des- I'm sorry, I apologize. That he didn't deserve the win. I mean, you're saying that he didn't deserve the win because he's not tension worthy. No, 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 no. I'm saying that he, oh, he deserved the win. He, he. Uh, but what happened was that he, from this fight. He, from what I've seen, he is not tension worthy. He will be, he will be knocked out by tension by the second round in my in my eyes. Um, I think that I think that Tyga, I I you know this is one win. This is his first win after a six fight winless streak, and he's gotten knocked. He's, he, some of those fights have been finishes that where he's been finished. He needs a lot more wins, and I need to see a lot more of him before we decide, okay, yeah, book tension versus Taiga at some point and rise or rise in. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, don't get me wrong, that would be cool to see, but it's like I mentioned with, it's like you mentioned with King Reina earlier, just because you're in your early 20s, in the case of Taiga, I think he's, what, 22, 23? Yeah, um, I'll get the exact age up um, in a second. Uh, he is... Uh, he's 22. Oh, okay. But still, it's like I said earlier. Just because you're in your early 20s doesn't mean that you're automatically flaming out. Because I did say that, you know, when Tiger lost his fight, maybe he should take up another form of profession like boxing or pro wrestling. But still, I think Tiger, just like King Reina, needs a few more victories just to continue to prove that they are rising worthy. Yeah. In the case of Tiger, even if he's not tension worthy, being rising worthy would probably be a safe effect. I think also it depends. He's got to get higher level opponents as well. You know, um,. He's got. He's got to eventually start getting people. I guess who who you could say who have Wikipedia's. Um, that's why I always like to say whenever there's a higher level opponent or some or just like people who have who are are stronger opponents and see where he is then uh, and then yeah decide if he should be considered rising worthy because you know again he's got to get that stink of the six six fight uh, winless streak out of uh, out of people's uh, heads and also out of his head as well. Um, uh, but are you, uh, do you do you have any any idea who would you put up up against next, uh, Christian? To be quite honest, seeing the fact that I do not know much about lighter weight kickboxing, especially in rides, I don't know. But I just hope it would be somebody.
somebody that isn't a. I just hope it wouldn't be somebody that isn't a cupcake fight. That it's somebody that can actually punch back. Yeah, I get it. I get it. Um, let's see. I'm trying to think of people in Rise who uh, they could bring over. Um. Um. Let's see. I I don't think the a Gomez fight would be good to um have a rematch. By the way, I apologize. You might be hearing uh uh the we have a dog in the apartment and he's currently crying for attention right now. So I apologize for that. Uh, to give him a bone. Uh, to get attention. He really wants attention. A great, great audio. Great audio. This is gonna, this is gonna be great audio for the podcast. But uh, so yeah. So I think I'm trying to think of like who and rise. You know, actually, you know what? If you want to put him up against an opponent at first, um, you know, what about Hideki? I think, you know, Hideki is a win. That way it would give Hideki a little, that would give Hideki Beharano a little bit more of a notice, a little bit more, you know, respect towards the fans. Exactly, yeah. You know, it, you know Hideki has a win in Ryzen. Um, uh, and, you know, both got their wins in Ryzen, so why not have, you know, it, it's, you know, you have, you have a Taiga going up against somebody else who just got a win. Um, and yeah, that might be a fight to make in terms of, um, you know, let's see if he's, um, if he can, uh, get that, that winless streak out of, uh, out of the memories of people. Mm-hmm. And, um, any Shirobi comments from these two before we head on to the next of these last four fights? Yeah, um, give me a second to, uh, get up the Shirobi comments. Uh, let's see. Uh, uh, thought they had a Tiger comment. No, they don't have comments from Ta- from Tiger or um, Machida. I thought I thought I could swear I thought he uh that they that he had, that they had comments. I know that they did post by comments, but I don't see anything here. Um, unfortunately. Um, but, um, yeah, I guess what I have to say is, you know, I mean, I I guess the other question I'm going to pose is also, Christian, is what about Machida? Would he, would he be allowed to, do you think he's rising worthy again? No, I think that, I think that the EI punch, he basically threw was nothing but hot air. I mean, if anything, I'd much rather see him in rise. Much less rising. Gotcha. No, I think that you know. I, I mean, they both like. They both looked. I think they both put on an incredible fight. Um, and it certainly was you know an exciting fight to watch. But I don't think that um. Uh, yeah, I don't know if Mashita could be is rising worthy um at this point. Um, give Tiger that 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 tune up fight with Hideki maybe, and then yeah, I think that's that's how you put him on a trajectory to getting back on the uh. On a winning, uh, on a winning phase, and then potentially, uh, him versus tension. Mm-hmm. Exactly. But still, enough about that particular fight. We've already talked enough about it. Let's go ahead and go on to a fight that really matters before the triple main event, and that was the Ooh 
Alright, Christian, just go ahead. You go ahead again. Sorry about that, man. My... Sorry about that, man. My connection sucks. I mean, I got like the worst connection when it comes down to this podcast in the world. But hey, at least I'm trying. Anyways, enough talking about the Tiger versus. Enough talking about the Tiger versus Machida fight. Let's get down to the fight that really mattered before we talk about the triple main event, and that was the Oval Hulk, Ivan Chertikov making an example out of whom you care. And, of course, Ivan TKO whom came with 4 minutes and 10 seconds. No, Ivan TKO'd whom came 4 minutes and 10 seconds into round number 2, knocking out the former, knocking out the former victory getter of Bobby Bones, a.k.a. Robert DeWeeper Whitaker, down in his record to 10 and 13, up in Ivan Shertikov's record to an undefeated 17 0 and 1. But I have to ask, first and foremost, what were your thoughts about Ivan Shertikov debuting in Rise and Rain? I wonder how he makes 205. That is a question that I am asking, I am constantly asking myself. This guy looks like he can't, I don't know what he's cutting to make that weight. But apparently he is. Um, there's a reason why he's called. Yeah, <laughs> he. Uh, there's a reason why he's called the Ural Hulk. Um, and um, yeah, this guy looked like a monster. He looked like a monster. He looked like he was an MMA fighter. Hoon Kim looked like he was a guy that they put fucked out of the streets. He did not. Jurdikov is going to be a rising mainstay. Uh, for as long, I guess, as he's suspended, or or you know, I, or the suspension is dropped, um, uh, for the PED, uh, the USADA case, um, yeah, I could definitely see him being a a regular rising guy, um, and with a potential fight of him versus Jay Kuhn, uh, somewhere in the future. Yeah, so uh, let me see what uh what comments he said uh for the um during the post fight uh thing um he said this was his first fight um abroad and that he's really honored to fight for an organization like Ryzen um he said that his uh he, that his um uh his stand his, his uh striking his stand up time uh striking was too short uh and, uh and his ground was not too rough. But he doesn't look down on his opponent and is respected Kim as a fighter. Um, I think uh, he. Uh, but yeah, I, I. I think was this in the Bruno Masami interview that he did? Um, I think was that the because I, I know a Bruno Masami um, did an interview with him, um, and I think he mentioned that he that was where he mentioned that he wanted to uh, not only he only not only he wanted to fight Fedor but wanted to be uh, uh, mainstay in Ryzen. 
uh, Shurdikov is now seven going is going on seventeen and zero, um, and Hoon Kim now goes to ten and thirteen under five hundred. Um, what about Hoon Kim? What do you think about what is, what is Hoon Kim's rise in future, if any? Hey, if you want to play against Shemitov, like I suggested earlier, I think that's a good fight for Shemitov to get a win. I don't think that Hoon Kim, though, should be in Ryzen's uh, long-term future. He should stick to Road FC. Yeah, I'm pretty sure after that fight, even though Hoon Kim did drag that only a few fighters have done, I don't think that Road FC wants anything to do with Hoon Kim anymore. Uh, as well, did you... Do you remember during this fight, Hoon Kim was like trying to like taunt Shurdikov? Like he was like he was having his hands down and telling him to come at him. Exactly. This guy he was not it looked like somebody who was who who watched YouTube fights to learn how to be a fighter. He is not a smart fighter. Uh, whatever Kimbo Slice was, the those old Kimbo Slice uh, street fights, um, from back in the day. Oh yeah, those dollar five thousand backyard spectacles. Exactly. Yeah. So if you want to bring Kun Kim the job to Shemitov, I got no problem with that. But he should not be in Ryzen long term at all. Um. Exactly, yeah. Um, Shurdikov, though, you know, I think he's definitely going to be one of the top top light heavyweights, maybe even heavyweights in Ryzen. Um, uh, and you know, I think he'll he and Jiri are eventually going to cross paths at some point. Um, don't know when, but I think yeah, they got to cross paths at some point, don't they? Exa exactly, yeah. I think and I think that's that's a, that'll happen. Uh, um, in, in the future, at a future Ryzen show. But, uh, yeah, Shurdikov looked looked good in this match, and uh, Hoon Kim looked, uh, looked like uh, garbage. Uh, yeah, no shit. Curious <laughs> why don't you just see quickly if uh, Hoon Kim made any comments um, that I can find. Well, first of all, check and see if Shurdikov, you know, made any comments, because as the old Queen song goes, no time for losers. Well, I I already, I already read uh uh, Sh uh Shurdikov's uh, comments um a few minutes ago. But uh, what's the, oh here's what uh, who comments if there were any. He said I prepared but couldn't do it my way. Uh, saying uh, uh uh saying that after losing is not good, but I could see his pattern clearly as the fight went on. I lost my stamina stamina while in the clinch. Uh, and uh, that's basically. Uh, mostly what he said. That, uh, yeah, he lost uh, his stamina, and that he said that, uh, that Shurdikov was, a uh, a very patterned fighter. Badly to Shimatov proved that he just hasn't. He just 
just doesn't have to. He just doesn't have it in him as a fighter anymore. I mean, I know he defeated Bobby. I know he defeated Bobby Bones, aka Bobby Whitaker. But still, that was back when Whitaker was young, and we all know what he's become ever since—a killer. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yes. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Was amazing, and it's and that third round. This th that third round is gonna go down uh, with uh, as as with uh, Gotti with Gotti Ward round. I think it was was it round nine, uh, the famous round that those two had and won their fights. I don't remember which one, but uh, just like an amazing, just it, just these two were just walloping each other, walloping each other, and the crowd was going crazy, but neither was going down. But then Ogi Kubo got one last takedown in, uh, which probably secured in the fight. But these two, you know, it's the, the, the story of this fight was that was was that Ogikubo was just one step ahead of Matoya. Matoya didn't look bad at all, but Ogikubo looked looked amazing in this match. Uh, you know, he his first fight in Ryzen was at a loss rematch loss against um Koyoji Horaguchi, where he you know, he he managed to not get knocked down Horaguchi Horiguchi said it was a slip. I don't think it was a slip. I think he managed to get to to tag uh, Gucci, but man, Ogi Kubo, I don't know. You know, he's having a career resurgence right now. Luckily, especially after the uh, loss um, at um, the Ultimate Fire finale, Fireway finale uh, against uh, Tim Elliott. He's ha he, in Ryzen right now. He's looking better than ever. Um, even the fight that he lost against Horiguchi, uh, he still looked great. Uh, in terms of, he looked, he didn't get finished. He came there, it looked like he came there to win. He didn't win, obviously, but you can still look good in a loss, and that's what happened. And with this fight, 
Sorry, Christian? True. I'm just saying. It was very true. Um, but, yeah, I think that, um, I think that he, uh, I, I man, oh, you know, you know, I know. I guess this, you know, everybody's gonna talk about about this fight, whether Matoya deserved to win or uh, Henry uh, um, uh, Okubo, sorry, um, was uh, worthy to win. And I guess there's this perspective of do do you go by the takedown that Okubo got, or do you go by that? I think I think that probably Matoya outstruck Okubo in that third round. So it is. Is a very it's you know it's entirely uh, up to someone's perception of the um, of what they judge in an MMA fight. Um, did you think that Ogi Kubo won? Did enough to win the split decision? Hey, like I said, he fought like a man possessed. He basically fought like it meant something to him and then some. So yeah, I think Ogi Kubo deserved that win, and he also said he wanted to fight the winner of the next. Well, yeah, let me see, uh, let me, uh, first I'm going to read what Matoya lost, uh, wrote, um, and he's, uh, or said in the post-fight interview, he said that his, lo- this is a regrettable loss, that, uh, Ogikubo is good at takedown and maintaining top position, um, and that it was better than he imagined. Strike-wise, um, he said that, that Ogikubo did not like, did not take his strikes well, um, uh, but that his mistake was trying to ga- grapple, uh, Matoya. I mean, grapple Ogikubo. And he said that his next fight, he would like to face Okazaki. Um, Ogikubo said that the fight went exactly as he planned. But the third round, he was getting tired, and he took the route to striking. Um, But it's okay for him since he did not feel like he got KO'd. Uh, But he came pretty close, I'll say that. Um, That's my own comments. Um, He said he's okay with grouping those four fighters, uh, uh, the four fighters, uh, because it's entertainment. But that... um, Ishitari refused. So we'll talk about it when Ishitari's comments. Ishitari does not want to be grouped in with those four, with the four uh, uh, heavy, uh, heavyweight, bantamweight mainstays. Um, but yeah, um, uh, we'll talk about you know Ishitari. But uh, Ogikubo looks like that he wants to fight Ishitari. Um, that's going to probably be the fight that will be made next. Um, uh, and. But I think, you know, it's interesting that, um, so Matoya is currently on a two-fight losing streak. You know, he lost the uh, Bamway title to uh, Victor Henry um, earlier this year, and now he has this loss against uh, Ogikubo. Um, I don't think they're bad losses at all. Um, he just happened to uh, lose, he, he lost in points, basically. I think also, you know, I don't know. Uh, I, I think, uh, I think uh, if anything... Uh, yeah, I think like you said, um, Mato- uh, that's the fight you make next, him versus Okazaki. Um, what do you think, Christian? What do you do with uh, Matoya next? Um, to be honest, I wouldn't mind seeing Matoya versus Sasaki because, of course, as we will probably mention, the two losers want to fight each other and the two winners want to fight each other. So basically, it would feel like a round-robin tournament of, you know, who's Well, you know, it's interesting um, that, you know, Ogikubo has already fought uh, Horiguchi twice and lost both times. So, I mean, do you think we're going to eventually, you think, you think they're going to fast track the, the, you think they're just de facto number one contender uh, between these two? 
uh, when we talk about the Ishitari fight? Uh, or you, or do you think they're just going? What, 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 what do you think their plan is for Ogikubo? Um, what do you think they're going to do with him? You know, this was a great fight. A lot of people, so many people were praising it, and yeah, you know, both these fighters came in there to win, and just there happened that there happened to be one, uh, uh, one guy in the judges' decision and the judges' eyes who won. And but yeah, you know, I definitely look forward to Ogikubo coming back. Um, I'm looking forward to Matoya coming back. This is not a loss that he should take, you know, to heart. It was a tough fight, um, and you know, people are going to argue to to the to the ends of the earth. Who actually won this fight? And you know, I, I it's gonna be, it's gonna be a discussion that I don't know if I want to be a part of. But you know, all I can say is that both you know, uh, Ogikubo said that um, in the uh, pre-fight interview that uh, he he wanted to make sure that that everybody got their money's worth. And with this fight, it certainly happened. The, I felt like you know this was definitely uh, so far my my fight of the year for Ryzen right now. Ogikubo versus Matoya. True, true. And as far as predictions went, I went with Oki Kubo because, again, I thought that he was fighting like he had nothing left. Yeah, same. You managed to... Did you pick Montoya to win? No, nope, I picked Oki Kubo. I think that Oki Kubo just was a better overall fighter. Um, I think, you know, he had more... He, uh, he was going to use his last loss and all of his bad... Uh, everything that happened to him as motivation. Uh, to uh, go through this fight, but like I said, you know it was a tough fight. But you know, again, if you haven't, if nobody has seen, if you haven't seen this fight, don't go by our, don't just listen to our results or anybody else's. Watch this fight. This fight is amazing, and I think I hope that people remember it when people talk about fight of the year um, matches at the uh, when this uh, year is over. Yeah, and hopefully when it comes down to a so-called MMA award show. Uh, so-called World MMA Award show, it wouldn't leave rising out when it comes down to actual categories and not just promoter or promotion of the year. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. Man of the Evening is also in the Bantamweight division and also saw one of the fighters who have fought Kyoji Horiguchi twice in Shintaro Ishiwatari defeating a game Yuta Oka Sasaki. Now, before we even talk about the fight, what are your thoughts on Yuta Oka Sasaki's choice of entrance? Oh, yeah, so we were going to, you know, we talked about, oh, you know, JQ was going to have entrance of the night, and he would have had uh, Oka Sasaki have gotten an entire acapella um, opera to basically come out and introduce him um, with, uh, cloaks, um, sounded like there was an orchestra as well, but that could have just been the soundtrack, but my god, that was, uh, that was an insane, uh, entrance that he came out with. Mm-hmm. 
mean, I'm, it, it sucks to me because I didn't get a chance to actually see it live. I mean, thankfully, I don't. I mean, thankfully, I'm not going to say how I got it, but I am going to be watching it a little later. And <laughs> that entrance was probably one of the better entrances of the night, along with Jake Hume's entrance. Absolutely not. I actually have to say that it probably was the that that entrance stole the uh, stole the show, as they say. Um, In, if only that entrance would have translated well to Oka Sasaki winning. Uh, of course, Shintaro Ishii was defeated. Of course, Shintaro he forced to tap a south choke. 3 minutes 58 seconds into round number 2 <laughs> and this was after a barrage of strikes, knees and punches and all that type of other stuff mm-hmm. but do you think that I mean first of all did you think that Oka Sasaki was being at any way shape and at any way shape or form overwhelmed in this fight oh absolutely absolutely um so actually, it's funny. So remember when Alka uh, was down the ground and uh, Shintaro was like kneeing him right in the head. A lot of people think that uh, that uh, Suzuki got knocked out then, but uh, got woken up because uh, uh, Ishimori just kept on uh, on banging on his head. So he may have actually finished him finished him earlier with with strikes um, earlier in the fights. Um, but it's you know yeah Shintaro. For the two for the two rounds, basically was do- dominated the entire the entire time. It was there was nothing that uh, Alka did that looked that was at all affecting Ishiwatari. So um, Ishiwatari was the 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 better uh, the better more complete fighter in this case. Um, also, was the first person in uh, Rising to get a North South choke as well. So he has that. Um, man. Um, Damn, Ishi, you know, here's the thing. Ishutari hasn't had a fight since the Kyoji Horiguchi uh, loss uh, back in uh, 2016, I believe it was. Um, the Abandonweight Tournament? Actually, that was um, 2017. Oops, excuse me. But yeah. you're right about that. Yeah, 2017. And the reason why he had such a. Uh, why his layoff was that long was because he apparently got a hernia. And when I initially learned that, I was like, there's no way he's winning this. Uh, you can recover from hernia, but you still get the, eff- you still fe- have the, you still get the effects. So you can still be potentially susceptible to the effects of it later in life. Or like even in the moment. Um, but damn. I mean, I'm to think of it, I should probably know because both of my brothers who played high school football... My older brother and my younger brother, they both suffer from sport hernias. Yeah, um, exactly. Um, so, you know, I thought that Shintaro that Ishitari had no chance in this fight. I picked Sasaki. I think, did you pick a Sasaki as well? I think you did, right? Um, shit, I think I did. No, wait, actually, I picked Ishiwatari. Yes, yes, you did, um. But uh, yeah, you know, I just thought that Suzuki was gonna be was was gonna be the healthier, more prepared fighter for this fight, as well as you know, as we discussed before, Kyoji or I mean Horiguchi has fought three of these four bantamweights. The only one was that he never fought was Oka Suzuki, and I thought you know what, 
that's a fight that you kind of want to make. You want to make the fight that hasn't been made yet. So it's kind of like a, of hoping that you know that a new fresh fight will be made. Obviously, that is not going to happen if the if the end goal is a uh, Ogi Kubo Ishiwatari match, and that's a number one contenders match for the Horiguchi belt, um, Ryzen Bantamweight belt. So, um, but man, Ishiwatari looked fantastic in this match. Mm-hmm. And with the win, Ishiwatari improved his record to 26-7. and seven. Oka Sasaki got the same number of losses, opposite 22 wins. Mm. What, do you, what would you do now with uh, Oka Sasaki after this loss? Have him face off against Yuki Motoya. I agree. I agree. I think that's a, that's, a, that's a fight that is a compelling fight to make. Um... Now I had some post uh post fight comments from Ishiwatari. Um, he says uh, I gave thirty points of one hundred uh, for my fight. I try. I uh, he was trying uh trying really hard to finish him, but his condition was so good that he was able to do it. Okazaki is a better fighter than he thought, but he doesn't want and he doesn't want to be grouped in the uh, group grouped with the four other with the three other fighters. Um. He says that while Horiguchi is above me, I'm above the others. Huh. Indeed he is because he thinks he's, I mean, he knows he's on a different level compared to them. I mean, look at the company that he represents. He's a former King of Pancrates champion in the Bantamweight division. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, didn't, well, didn't he uh, vacate the belt to go to Ryzen? Yes, he did. Yeah. Um, he vacated the belt to the guy who he last defeated in Rafael Monsego Silva. Mm. And uh, funnily enough, uh, Ogi Kubo, I think, did the same thing with the um, Shuto. Uh, f- um, oh, sorry, a deep flyweight, deep uh, uh, flyweight belt. No, the Shuto flyweight Yeah, Shuto. Belt. Fuck, man. Uh, Shudo, uh, fuck. Either way, both Pancrase and Shudo are involved with 1FC, and now Rafael Moisego Silva is going to that promotion. Yeah. Um, but, you know, if the, uh, I think the goal to make the, um, that Okikubo, uh, Ishiwatari fight, I, that makes it for a incredibly compelling matchup. Um, and, you know, I, I think that's what they'll probably go for at Ryzen 19. And then whoever wins that gets to face Horiguchi for the belt. Yeah, but then again, you have to realize Horiguchi is the double champion of both Bellator and Ryzen. So he's got competitors from all around the world looking to get at him. Yeah. Um, I think probably what I think the goal for Horiguchi is... Um, and they're gonna have Horiguchi uh, defend the um, the Ryzen belt first at, at probably maybe Ryzen nineteen, maybe or or the uh, and or to have him defend the Bellator belt at this supposed Ryzen uh, Bellator uh, co promoter show at the end of the year. Uh, either that or the beginning of the year. I mean, either that or the beginning of 2020, because they probably want to have, I mean, Ryzen probably wants to have Kyoji Horiguchi defend the banner at the New Year's Eve show, Ryzen 20. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
Uh, any comments about this fight from your since side? Of course, since, of course, when it comes down to Bellator MMA, they're going to probably have December 29th locked up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, any thoughts on this fight, Christian? Hey, it was a fun fight for Ishii Vitaly to win. I mean, it's like I said in the review. Oka's not ready to face off against Horiguchi, but he will in due time. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, um, it's really, um, yeah, it just sucks that, you know, it's, you know, the, uh, the one fight that would never happen may not, um, may not happen at this point. Uh, at least not right now, because, of course, Sasaki is now coming off his second Horizon fight, and it'll only be a matter of time before he gets that experience in the rising ring because he was, I mean, he's obviously been so used to fighting in a cage mm -hmm. that he met to his days in Shuto. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Valley Tudo, Japan. Exactly, yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, great, great win for Ishii He's back uh, in the winning, winner's circle. And, uh, yeah, looking forward to what Rise is gonna do with him in the uh, in the future. Mm-hmm. Same here. And do you have any post fight comments from the camp uh, of Okazaki? Unfortunately, no. I have nothing from Okazaki here. Um, he did take quite a beating, you know, with those knees to the head and all that stuff. So I wouldn't be surprised if he wasn't. Met it, if they didn't clear him to do any interviews, um, uh, right after, probably had to go get medically cleared right after the, um, right after the fight. Right, 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 right. Other than that, fun fight, and I really hope that something comes about in this Phantomweight round robin <laughs> that happens. <laughs> but enough about all that. As we now get to the main event. And it is a 154-pound clash. Well, actually, it was a 154-pound clash between Rings, the outsider veteran, Nikolu Asakula, and Crazy B representative from Hard Knocks 365 Gym in Fort Lauderdale, Yusuke Iachi. Now, before we get to the results of these before we get to the results of this main event, I have to ask, what were your thoughts about that cool, breeze Japanese villain actor doing the special guest ring announcement? Yeah, who the hell was that? Did you get the name of him? Um, to be honest, I don't remember his name off the bat, but I do know that he was a... I mean, I heard, obviously, on commentary and seen on Twitter and stuff like that, that he is a former Japanese movie villain. That's it? That's a, 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 like, anything that he was in, did they say it, or anything? Um, to be honest, no. Uh, let me go ahead and see. Because I know it's kind of weird that... Some guy like him would have the notoriety to even be a part of this. And it is crazy that somebody like him would even have enough celebrity to be a part of that particular show. 
but still, props to Ryzen for getting that guy out because he looked like he could kick your ass without even thinking twice about it and not give a single fuck about apologize. <laughs> <laughs> um, that, that it was cool to bring him out. He actually, you know, he had the glasses on. You know, he he, he kind of reminded me of um. There's a director by the name of Takashi Miike. Whenever he's in public, he always wears sunglasses, and the guy kind of looked like him. Um, it was just funny. It was just he reminded me of that of that film director. Um, and while that 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 was cool to see, I can tell you what was not cool to see was how Yusuke Yachi fought this fight. And I'm I am I'm, I'm gonna hold my tongue. I want you to go first, Christian, and tell me what you thought of this fight. Sakura defeated Yusuke Yachi via unanimous decision and obviously it was Yachi's third straight rise and loss yeah. but the way that he fought this third straight rise and loss was completely disappointing because we all thought that we were going to see him come out guns ablaze and looking to kick ass and take names but he's just completely underwhelmed in this fight wouldn't you agree? Underwhelmed, outclassed. My God, and can, I, can we use any more adjectives to uh, describe how how terrible he fought? Uh, I'm not even sh I'm not even sure if he got more than ten significant strikes until like the third round. I don't even know if he even got a, a shot in at a uh, Mikuru within the first two rounds. He was entirely in every way. He was outclassed by by Mikuru. It was like. It was like it was his first MMA match. I couldn't believe it. I was appalled by how, by how badly Yachi fought. I can't believe it. I'm so, I am beyond astounded. What his? I'm curious to know what his game plan was because it seemed like he had no game plan at all. I didn't see any intention, any any inclination, any intention, any type of thought of, you know, this is how I'm planning to win this fight. I don't know, like, it was like, it was like, you know, a video game character, uh, you have a video game, and your character is not moving because the controller is off, so it's just, it's just in a, in a, um, routine, um, repeating animation, because, uh, that's what the game is programmed to do when, when, uh, you're not moving. That's exactly how he, Yachi, how exactly he was. And it wasn't until the end of the third round, when so oh, oh, oh. Basically... Basically, you thought he was glitching up. Huh? Glitching up, yeah. I guess so, yeah. I'm, I'm, I have no idea what, what, what he was do, what, his, what he decided was gonna be his game plan for his fight. Cause if there was a game plan, it didn't work. And if he had no game plan, you know, it probably would have been off better without a game plan. Cause I don't know what he was trying to achieve, uh, to attempt to win this fight. There, there might be a little bit of a, of a reason why I'm, uh, I'm going to go to his, uh, his uh, post by comments. He said that the left that he, there was a left low kick that 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 uh, Mikuru did that may have affected him in the later half of the fight. And he did say that Mikuru was strong and a more skillful skillful fighter. Fighter. He can't say much since he's a loser. Um, since that that because of that of that of that left kick. Um, he lost. He was. He lost his balance and he got damage to the leg. Um, but regardless of that fact, even without that, you know, the weak, the same, 
the week before, or no, uh, a few weeks before, there was a fight between John Jones and Tiago Santos, where Santos teared almost every muscle in his leg, yet still somehow managed to to go all five rounds with with John Jones, even though he this happened in the first round, and you know, no, he was still he didn't win the fight. He came close, but he didn't win the fight. Yachi, I don't know what the heck is going on at Camp Crazy B or with him. Regardless, though, like, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna read some comments from people, um, and I think this best sums up what Yachi needs to do with uh, his camp. Um, this is from Copper Box Caretaker. Go ahead, read him and uh, He says that Yachi says he needs a step down in competition and maybe a new coaching team. And then uh, Charles Fraga says, Yachi needs to be convinced to join a better gym. Now here's the thing as well. He did come over to uh, America, Florida, to, uh, to uh, train, um, uh, I think it was after the Johnny Case fight that he um, started training with, um, started training there, uh, did some training in Florida. I'm forgetting the name of the gym. Um, it was an ATT. Hard Knocks 365. Yeah, yeah R Knocks 365. Henry Hoops. Yes. Hard Knocks 365. Henry Hoops School. And you kind of figure, you know, he would have learned something from there, but no, it looks like he got nothing out of there. At this point, you know, I mean, do, what would you do? I, the only fight, you know, if you put him against, you know, clear, you know, uh, uh, he doesn't, like, I wouldn't even say he deserves to be an alternate, a, a, an alternate, uh, have a chance as an alternate in this uh, light, lightweight uh, Grand Prix. Really, he doesn't, I don't think. Um... What do you think about Yachi? Where does Yachi go from here? To be quite honest with you, I don't know. Because the next point you're going to have, I mean, the next thing you're going to have to do with Yusuke Yachi is book him in something so that he doesn't look stale the next time around. Exactly. But in a way, in a way, this particular fight, I mean, as I told you beforehand, when it came down to this fight, it was similar a team, I mean, let's just put it in a actual sporting term. Let's just put it in an actual sporting term. If this fight was like anything in professional sports, it would be equivalent to, I mean, this Mikuru versus um, Go ahead, Christian. Christian? Sorry, Christian, could you go ahead and say that again? Uh, yeah. Basically, what I was trying to say was this fight, I think it's pretty much, I think the main example would be <laughs> was a... 1994 NBA playoff series between the Seattle Supersonics now the Oklahoma City Thunder, and the Denver Nuggets, whereas the Sonics were the one seed and the Nuggets were the eight seed. The Nuggets basically dragged Seattle to five games because at the time, the first-round playoff series lasted five games and not seven. But still, in that fifth and decisive game, I think... Uh, I mean, in that fifth and decisive game in the Western Conference first round, Seattle basically scored.
the pooch. And Denver based, I mean, Seattle screwed the pooch and Denver won. And the only thing we could really step off of that is how crazy was the Kimbe Matumbo when he held the ball in, when he held the ball with his arms crying for dear life. That to me was basically like what happened. That to me was basically like what happened this past weekend with the Mikuru versus Yachi fight. Mikuru basically just denied Yusuke Yachi a spot in the Grand Prix, whereas a lower rank C would deny a higher rank C a spot at moving on in the playoffs. Yep, I mean, you know, I don't know anything about basketball, that's not, but that sounds like an apt comparison. Um, you know, here's the thing, uh, I'm going to read uh, some comments about uh, Mikuru, and he does uh, talk about the uh, lightweight tournament, and uh, it might surprise you what he has to say. He says that, uh, he said, oh, his, hey. he said in the post-fight interview that he, that his takedown defense is good, uh, so he sprawls takedowns, um, da -da 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 -da. If the fight, if fight, if the fight money is good, he wants to be in Bellator, um, but he's not interested in the seventy kilogram tournament. That's the light. That's the lightweight uh, tournament that uh, Ryzen is having. Um, and uh, yeah, he said that he's not interested in it. But I'm gonna say uh, I'm gonna bring this up right now. Um, he says it's not his weight. But uh, Sakaki, Sakakibara, uh, CEO of Ryzen, after post fight interview, uh, said that he wants Mikuru in the lightweight Grand Prix. Uh, while he understands the weight problem, uh, but it is, he's going to try to convince him to get in. And honestly, he has two wins over uh, two people who have fought a lightweight, Luis Gustavo and Yusuke um, Yachi. He should be in the tournament. I know why he doesn't want to do it, because it's not his weight class, but I think it's a risk worth taking. I honestly think that. Yeah, because in a way, this is what Mikuru's first time fighting at light. I mean, first time fighting at lightweight. It may be his first uh, in well, first time in rising because the uh, Gustavo fight I think was catchweight, but this fight certainly was his first. I get. I think it was. Um, was this a full? Was this a full on fight, uh, lightweight match or was it catchweight? I believe it was. Uh, it was a lightweight. Yeah. It was seventy kilos or one hundred fifty-four point three pounds, so it was lightweight. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, that's it right there. He fought a a a a, a lightweight match, uh, and he made weight, beat his beat his opponent at at, at his own weight class, and uh, yeah, you know, I mean, if he doesn't want to do it, I mean. If he doesn't want to be in the tournament, I guess he can't force him to. But again, the problem is that Ryzen doesn't really have a, a featherweight division. So unless he turns down the, light, the lightweight um, tournament, the problem is also is that the Bellator uh, featherweight Grand Prix that's happening this year, they already picked everybody. I mean, unless they have, unless they are going to announce alternates, you know, which maybe Mikuru can do. I think the problem, you know, I don't know. I was, I don't think there's any intention to have a. Uh, Mikuru in the uh, Featherweight Grand Prix. Hmm. Right, of course. But, well, you know, I think we, what we can gain from this is that Mikuru Azakura is a exceptional fighter. One guy, uh, a guy to look at. He is, he is a complete MMA fighter. While, you know, I wasn't too particularly happy how he fought the Gustavo fight, he did fight a smart fight. And with this one, he even fought smarter. 
against a bigger opponent. Um, yeah, you know, Mikuru, Mikuru absolutely is one of the top ten overall in Ryzen right now. That he is. That he is. You have any last thoughts on this fight? I mean, to be honest, no, because when it comes down to Mikuru Asakura, now officially a wait and see approach, because if he goes into the Grand Prix and moves up into lightweight, that's cool. If he doesn't, I mean, what are you really going to do with him? Because, of course, you did mention that Ryzen does not have a featherweight division. Bellator does, but Bellator already picked their slots. So, you know, again, the best thing to do for Sakura, and in this case for Yusuke Yachi, is wait and see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Unless something happens, a change that happens in the tournament, you know, I don't see them adding him. Because um, I figured, you know, he would re- he would be already added, um, but you know, I I could be wrong. Maybe they will add him. Who knows? Yeah, who knows? Um, now, do you have any post event comments from Mr. Sakakbara? Yes, um, he did comment on the live. Uh, so this this show, this Ryzen show, was not airing on Fuji TV Live, and it's going to air. Uh, actually, uh, we're recording this on August 3rd today. It, I believe it would have aired already um, by this point uh, on delay. But uh, Sakaki Barra said that the paper, pay-per-views sold on Gao was really high. Um, he didn't give numbers, but he said they were really high. Like I said, he wanted Mikuru in the Lightweight Grand Prix, even though he understands there's a weight problem. Um, but he's going to try to get him in. And then he said that the winner and losers of the Bantamweights want to fight each other. Uh, but Victor Henry and others are coming, so they're gonna see what they're gonna do with the bantamweight um, divisions. So you know, you got a lot. Of, you know, again, you know, with the next card, we got Victor Henry, Trent Gurdum, we got uh, Justin Scoggins, Kazuma Sone. All we're, they're all coming, and you know, it's it's gonna. You know, I like to say that the lightweight division is the most active rising, but the bantamweight division is slowly starting to creep that creep up to being just as stacked, if not more stacked. Um, so, you know, right now, you know, I know that the, I think probably the idea is to make Okikubo and Ishibatari, but who knows? However, if Victor Henry, Trent, Gur- Trent Gurdham, uh, Kazume Sone, Justin Scoggins, if they come away with more impressive wins, they might get fast-tracked. Um, especially, you know, Victor Henry being the deep bantamweight champion. Uh, and, you know, they may just, it may just be, they may get a, more of a, um, uh, uh, they may be pushed up further, who knows, um, than uh, Ogikubo and Ishwatari. Right, right. Um, also, I want to mention... And I mean, to be quite honest... Sorry, uh, go ahead. Yo, go ahead, Christian. I mean, to be quite honest, when it comes down to the Rising Grand Prix, I mean, when it comes down to the Rising Battleweight Division... Now, it's becoming more like a division because you got the four top pillars and then you're going to have everybody else come in. So, it's going to be really fun and really exciting to see the rising bantamweight division mean something. Now, what was it you wanted to say? Oh, I just wanted to talk about the attendance. This att- official attendance for this Ryzen show was 16,930. 
Um, and that is a that is very good, especially with no Horiguchi or Tenshin, Reina, or any of the uh, regular Ryzen main players. Um, I, I have my. Well, Horiguchi did make a special appearance. Oh yeah. To the Bantamweight belts. Okay, yeah, he did make a special appearance, but like not advertised for as a in a fight. I think you know, I think. I, I might sound a little bit crazy when I say this. Well, here's the thing as well. Mikaru's popularity, I don't know if you know this, but he's got a very popular YouTube channel and a very popular Instagram. Uh, he has, I think he averages in, in six digits to a million views on his uh, YouTube channel, Mikaru. Huh. Uh, I didn't know. I mean, to be honest, I did post about that on the MMA Opinion page. And I hope that does get some people subscribing to his channel, but still, that's crazy. Because it proves that Mika Rwasakura has a global reach. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's all I just saw, uh, I, uh, he has 162,000, um, followers, and his most recent video is currently at 336,000 views. Uh, his most, wow. his most, uh, viewed video is at 5.2 million views. After that, there's a video that has 3 million views, and then after that, there's a video that has 1 million views, and he has a bunch of other videos that are close, that are over 500,000 or close to 500,000 views. Um, and yeah, so he he does have a, in, a an internet following uh, on YouTube and on Instagram, and that definitely I think was is a uh, a factor. Uh, and what sold tickets, but I also think, I honestly think the Shemitov Hune sold a lot, was, got people talking. I really think that that fight was something that people, that the audience got attached to, and they wanted to come down and see this Shemitov guy. I think, I think that Shemitov was a big, was a big factor in why uh, tickets were moving. Uh, tickets move for the show. Uh, and I'm trying. I'm trying to think other thing. You know, trying to think of other reasons. I think that I think those are probably the. You know, you, you had Okikubo, Ishimatari, Okazaki, Yuta Matoya, some well-known fighters. They probably sold tickets as well. But I think the two big sellers were Mikuru Azakura and Shematov, uh, being on this card. I see, and it's because of the fact that, you know, people wanted to come out and see, you know, somebody like a Shimatov, like a Oka Sasaki, like a Mikuru, for instance. That's what's going to make Rise and Grow, because I think one of the post-fight, I think one of the post-fight speeches ended from one of the fighters that said, hey, focus on the little, I mean, focus on the guys that are, I mean, focus on guys like us. We want to help make Rise and Succeed, too. Well, for right now, it's mission accomplished and all speed ahead mm-hmm. going towards these people because, you know, it's only going to be a matter of time before Rise and becomes a world power and in before... Ah, damn it. What am I saying? It's going to be a matter, it's going to be a matter of time before Rise and becomes a world power in MMA. Mm-hmm. Um... I just, uh, I, I, so, I want to just read some feedback about the Rise of 17 show from, uh, some followers. Uh, Jay Wolf, Go ahead, 
jwolf1 at jyolf, that's with a Y, Y-O-L-F-1, said this was, that was an awesome night of grounded knees and elbows and finishes. The fighters are successfully adapting to epic rise and superior rule set more and more with each event. Pumped for epic rise and 18 with Gucci. Uh, performance of the night goes to Handerlei and Ishwatari, of course. Entrance Suzaki and Shun and Suzaki and Hoon, and he asks, He also says that give Shematov a, a second shot. Uh, good friend Teep to the Junk at Teep to the Junk, he gave fight of the night to Azakura Yachi. Performance of the night to Handerlei. The comeback to Kawajiri. Uh, the ill-advised taunting to Hoon Kim. And the Grim Reaper Award for Damn to uh, Roberto Satoshi de Souza. <laughs> uh, Copper Box Caretaker, uh, Fight of the Night, doesn't even, have to, doesn't even need to be said. I'm assuming he's talking about Ogi Kubo and Motoya. Forms of the Night, Ishiwatari. Um, he wants to see Shamatov back, Reina to consider alternative lines of work, and Yachi to, step down a, Yachi to have a step down competition, maybe go to a new team. Uh, Ko. Uh, Koichiro underscore MMA at KCOTWW uh, writes, Fight of the Night is definitely the one of Matoya and Ogikubo. Uh, Moni Sneaks at Mon Sneaks, who makes some really incredible fighter art. Uh, she does some incredible drawings uh, of fighters. Um, she says, Performance of the Night goes a ham. Um, Fight of the Night, Ogikubo, Matoya. Walkout has to be Alka. Don't ask me what's next for all of them with a crying emoji. Oh no. Uh, Charles Fraga writes, Fight of the Night, Ogikubo, Matoya. Performance of the Night, Hamderlei. Entrance, Suzaki. Uh, bring back Sharantov for New Year's Eve. Um, match up Reina with a striker and Yachi to join a better team. And an Ampop, Reina has to go. Not fun to watch. Zero power and can't strike. So I think a lot of... Uh, and also there was a Ryzen, uh, Ryzen 17... Feedback thread on r slash MMA and a lot of people had a lot of positive comments about it And I agree. This is probably Ryzen's best show this year one intermission helps You know it and I know that a lot of people That's the one thing that 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 people cannot stand is those intermissions and that one intermission It made the, flow, the show flow so much better um, it, it, it really worked in Ryzen's favor um, And uh, come to think of did you get a chance by any way, shape, or form to check out the Ryzen staff post on the Bar MMA subreddit? Uh, yeah. Was you mean the overall um, what the uh, what what uh, what everybody's? Are you talking about the uh, what your thoughts about Ryzen Seventeen were post? Uh huh. Oh yes, yes, and like yeah, most of the comments were positive. Um, uh. Even one from me as well. Oh, uh, let me find your comments. Um. Ah, Chris Gary, eleven ninety two said it was a fun show. I look forward to seeing what you guys will be doing with Tali Shemitov and King Reina, despite the both of them losing their fights. The possibility of Hewn versus Shurdikov for a light heavyweight championship shot could be fun, just as Miyu versus Hamdalay Silva will be. But the one thing I want to know is, even if Mikuru Azakura doesn't plan on being the lightweight Grand Prix, will there be possibly a featherweight Grand Prix in twenty twenty? And Ryzen staff, uh, presuming this is Shingo. Replies back, thanks for watching. Uh, I'm sure Shematov will be getting another shot depending on the matchup. He could very, he could be very fun to watch. His fight against Hune wasn't that bad and the guy can strike. Hune versus Yvonne will be a possibility. 
Han versus Miyu is most likely since they already verbally agreed in the ring. Great question about Mikuru. Updates will be announced soon by the official press release. So, um, yeah, we, uh, uh, we might, um, they say it's a, he's, they're not denying a featherweight Grand Prix, so maybe that's something they are working on. Who knows? I can understand that. And to Shingo Kashiwaki, all I gotta say is, I got to gozaimasu. Um... But, uh, yeah, that's a Ryzen 17 card. Uh, 12 fights. Uh, most of the fights were ranged from good to excellent. And uh, I actually so forgot to say, Christian, what, what your, for you, what was your fight of the night and performances of the night? Oh, well, my fight of the night, I My fight night, I think, I think, well, this will probably be, uh, will, will probably be our fight of the year unless something changes, Ogikubo versus Matoya. Can't say enough about this fight. Even when that third round, you know, it was just such a, a compelling technical fight, just watching two masters of the, of the art go at it. So, it was so good. Um, forms of the night, gotta give the Johnny Case, man. And it's, you know, beating somebody to the point that they had to be carried back. And the and to their corner and the corner throwing the towel, that is that takes a level of violence that is that that is above everybody else. And for that, he just my giant case is one of the fires to look at in Ryzen. And I also give the other uh, other uh, force of the night to Hamdulay because uh, she is a brutal monster in her division of Adam Waite and. When she does fight uh, Miyu, it's going to be a very interesting fight stylistically, uh, since they are they are the two polar opposites of how they fight, Miyu and uh, Hamdule. If you want to talk about Sinker, it goes to Hoon Kim because Hoon Kim sucks and too bad. You know, <laughs> listen, you know I don't want to say listen. Yusuke Yachi didn't didn't fight good and neither did King Reina, but again I don't see what Hoon Kim was trying to achieve. You know, putting his arms down and telling uh, Shurtikov to come at him when he was losing the fight, and uh, the closest he even came to even winning that, uh, to even to even having an edging out a win was he was trying to go for that Gogol Plata, Omo Plata, excuse me. Uh, no, I'm sorry, the Gogol Plata uh, choke um, on uh, on uh, Shurtikov. But like, yeah, other than that, he was immensely outclassed and looked like a, a complete. Uh, uh, a fool in that match, and yeah, unless you bring him in to lose against Shematov, I don't want to see him in a rising ring ever again. Huh. Indeed. Oh, both. But that other than that, 
fun. Mm. It's been fun. I mean, what was your surprise performance of the night, first of all, before we close it out? Ooh, surprise performance of the night. Let me think. Uh, surprise performance? Um, I guess you guys, I gotta give it to Tyga. I didn't think he was gonna win. I thought that once he was gonna get another loss, it was gonna be a seven loss, seven winless streak. Uh, but uh, he came back and he looked good. He looked good in this fight. I uh, still gotta get the stink of those losses out of his uh, out of recent memory. But my God, coming back from that is uh, that is something else. I know a lot of people were happy with the uh, surprise with Kawajiri's, um, uh, with with him. But you know. I I again say I don't think he looked. He just did enough to win. To me, Tiger looked like a, a different animal than all the other previous fights that he's been in that he's lost in. Hmm. Indeed. But other than that, it's been fun talking Rising Seventeen with you. I know that you know Rising Eighteen in a couple of weeks' time is going to be something incredible, and we. We're gonna have to really bust our butts trying to get that, trying to get that preview out next week. Oh yeah, yeah. I, right now, right now the plan is uh, uh, we're supposed to be doing a collaboration with uh, Bad Moon Rising, maybe like some roundtable thing. Um, well, you know, hopefully it works out. If it doesn't work out, you know, once again it'll just be you and I talking about it. But yeah, Christian. Even if, it is, Sorry, yeah, even if it isn't us, really. Yeah, yeah. And we got a slew of interviews coming out. Uh, John Wayne Parr, Victor Henry. Uh, uh, oh my God. There's so many. I'm forgetting. Uh, we should be talking to Tabitha Batgirl Watkins tomorrow. Uh, Justin Scoggins. And uh, well, for you, it would be the Justin Scoggins interview. I will put up my version of the Justin Scoggins interview if I do get a chance to interview him on the Focus Fights YouTube channel and the MMA Opinion Facebook page. Yes, yeah. Uh, but you know, yes, a lot of we got a lot of great content coming out, and I can't wait to uh, put it out there for the uh, for the people to uh, listen to. Mm-hmm. But other than that, you want me to go ahead and hand out the plugs? By all means. Okay. And for those of you who are still listening to us, if you want to contact us more, you can follow us personally on Twitter, at abenja1, at chrisgary92. We will be sure to follow you back. <laughs> if you want to follow our pages, you can follow my respective pages, uh, I mean, first of all, for Focus Fights, we'll cover, I mean, we cover just about everything when it comes down to martial arts and combat sports around the world. The scenes of the U.S., U.K., South America, Europe, and Asia are all being respected and emphasized. You can follow us on Twitter at Focus Fights. You can like our Facebook page. I think I've been getting a surplus of likes on that Focus Fights Facebook page. Facebook.com slash Focus Fights, and you can subscribe to our YouTube channel. We do not have a proper URL as of yet, but you can subscribe to our YouTube channel by searching Focus Fights on YouTube. F-O-C-U-S-F-I-G-H-T-S. The MMA Opinion, you can like the best, one of the best MMA blogs on Facebook at Facebook.com slash The MMA Opinion. 
W-E-A-R-E-R-I-Z-I-M-P-O-D, and you can listen to us via Stitcher, SoundCloud, YouTube, and pretty soon, hopefully sooner rather than later, on all your favorite podcast providers, apps, or what have you. <laughs> a, a, couple of, a couple of tin cans with a string in between them. <laughs> exactly. But until then, for us, for now, this is, I mean, uh, what am I saying? How the hell do I end this show? I think Lenny Hart has something to say. Chris Gary, we out this mug. See y'all later.